Welcome back to Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. Last week we broke down the Eastern Conference. This week it's the West. But first, as we always do, let's check in with the co-hosts. Boys, how are we doing? Ross, I know you had a busy night. Let's uh, let's unpack it a little bit here, huh? May or may not have been the Slot Shot Podcast marketing opportunity of the year. Um, saw a tweet today from Barstool's uh, PFT commenter. Um, related to an event they were hosting uh, in River, Chicago's River North that was opinion-based trivia, uh, a first-of-its-kind event. And I texted the boys saying, basically, this is a can't-miss. And uh, my two cuck line mates really let me out there to get you know my bag beaten in by Ryan Reeves and John Scott in a two-on-one. So I did make it out there. Um, I was riding Team Solo, Team Rusty. Uh, just just one guy at the bar racked up a decent tab there. Bartender was actually a beauty. He did, he did well by me. Um, I've got some bullets here on kind of the questions and my answers, the format for the opinion-based trivia. It's kind of funny because, like, they'll put it out there, and it's like, what answers do they like the most? It's only, like, eight questions. You want me to rip through them? You can rip through the first four. Let's go, let's go through right. the fifth. All right. First question. Pretty- first question. What should Snow White's eighth dwarf be named? Rusty. Obvious answer. Great answer. Obvious answer. answer. I got an honorable mention for that. No points awarded, and uh, may God have mercy on our souls, but I did get a shout-out. I did get a shout-out from from the crew on that one. Question two. Make up a fictional name for an elite NFL quarterback. Rusty's answer, Hayden Kinnick. Another honorable mention. Zero points awarded, but going with the Iowa Hawkeyes, I will be in Iowa City this weekend. Uh, Question three. Worst possible freshman roommate? I said Rod Farva from Super Troopers. Didn't get any love. Question four. Name this dog. Picture of a Shibu. I said Genghis Rusty Khan III. Didn't get any love. That didn't happen. Question five. Worst dating app profile? Uh, Basically, like, what would be the worst profile in a dating app you could possibly think of? My answer was employment equals problem solver at Clinton Foundation. That was a winner. Uh, got me a got me a shot of whatever was green tea. Uh, question six. I'm going to leave out for some certain audience sensitivity reasons. Question seven. Tastiest looking non edible item. My answer: chemical packets and beef jerky. Good call. Good call. So pissed I got no love on that. Like the answers they took. Like they took a couple like inside barstool jokes that I didn't really understand. That was mildly frustrating. Question. Uh, question eight. <laughs> Two characters from different shows that would have the most electric kiss. Now, I'll share my answer, but I'm curious if you guys have yours, but we don't have all day. Two characters. Yeah. I'm not on the spot like that. All right. I want to hear your answer. My answer was Bubbles from The Wire and (laughs) Susie Green from Curb. I'm just thinking about crusty ass, like heroin addict bubbles making out with Susie Green or like making a move on Susie Green and Susie's response being just like, get the Beep, 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 beep. Like, just so many swears. And do you guys know Susie Green from Curb? No. Uh, not off the top of my head, no. She's, like, the biggest raging bitch of all time. Um, just like this, like, like, oh, my God. All right. So listeners who get it might think it's funny. Um, <laughs> last question was, who is the most dead person ever? What was your answer on that? My answer was Joe Black. You know what would have been a win? You guys ever seen Meet Joe Black? No. You ever seen it? It's kind of a Sixth Sense kind of movie that's got a little bit of like a rom-com drama twist. But basically, the guy gets <laughs> – it's Brad Pitt. It's from the 90s. It's unreal. I mean, I don't know if it's on the 
slot shot uh, watching list because our, our list is getting pretty long these days. But basically, one of the first scenes, <laughs> uh, uh, Brad Pitt walks. Brad Pitt walks across the street and gets like triple teamed by like a flying bus and like uh, like a minivan, and his body just gets completely ragdolled by traffic. And then the whole rest of the movie, it's basically kind of about his ghost. Um, so that was part of the joke there. Any love on that one? What's that? Any love on that one? No love. I expressed all the love that I got. I got the love for Hayden Kinnick. I got the love for Rusty the Dwarf. And uh, I was a winner on uh, Problem Solver at the Clinton Foundation for a dating profile. I think it's a pretty, pretty good start there. You know, I, I kind of shot my shot. Uh, didn't inter- I, I wrote I wrote down my Twitter handle and Slot Shot Podcast on all of my submission slips. I started with the full thing early, and then as you know, a couple drinks piled up, and I was like, "All right, like they're probably kind of sick of this one guy promoting this stuff." <laughs> uh, so like, I, I got at least like three or four in there. Like, I'm convinced. Like PFT, I'm, I'm gonna tweet him. I'm gonna tweet him and basically invite him on the pod to talk caps anytime he wants. Um, that's kind of my follow up promotional. Like, I did it for the boys. Like, I got my I got my snot beaten in by John Scott and Ryan Reeves, and you guys were sitting on the bench. Uh, I, that I kind like of thing. It. I think you should tweet your full answer list. And tag them. Be good promotion for them, and maybe we'll fire back, you know. You think? Uh, that's way more than 164 characters. I don't know what the limit is thread. anymore. Thread. You just keep replying to yourself. <laughs> I'll teach you how to do a thread. I'll have to, I'll have to, check, I'll have to check with my Barstool people about, like, what is, is and isn't cool by, like, PFT standards. I think he and I kind of have a, have a similar worldview, but... I'm going to need I'm going to need I'm going to need sign off from somebody that follows it closer than me. But anyway, that's my opener. How how the hell are you, Arm Duck? I'm doing well. I was actually very curious to hear about this opinion-based trivia and I hope the listeners know again, save it for the pod is for anything Ross wants to discuss on the pod, including this. So it took until this moment on air for me to get a rundown of what happened tonight. Uh so, you know, it didn't disappoint. That was pretty exciting stuff. I, I think you did well, especially for a solo team. It takes me a while and maybe some brainstorming with others to like really come up with like things that I think are funny, you know. Um, so so well done. I had to gas some beers early and then basically just like don't <laughs> like like basically think like don't overthink it, right? Like I, I think got that's I, the right move. Yeah. I got there at like six twenty. It was supposed to start six thirty. It started at like six forty five. So I like blasted down like probably three quarters lights before things got going, and I was kind of just feeling feeling loosey goosey and and just kind of firing off. But um, hey, it was all for the boys. Hey, we 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 appreciate you getting in the getting in there and and doing a little promoting for the pod. You know, you don't see that every day, and uh, I, I will uh, hats off to you, Rusty, on that one. So. Big big props to the guy there. We, uh, Alex, any any final thoughts on you? Where I know you were golfing, so I mean, life really couldn't be much worse for you. Um, but are we ready to talk a little Central Division hockey? I think we are. All right, let's. It's perfect. It's time to jump into it. It's time to jump in to Nate Dog in the Colorado Avalanche, finishing fifty one twenty four and seven for one hundred nine points. This team had some turnover, and uh, the the fact is, uh, Joe said there, there's one right off the jump. Um, but Joe Sackick and, and the boys have uh, have turned this roster over uh, significantly, bringing in the likes of Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, Thomas Tatar, Miles, the Termite, the Queen, the King, Woody, Woody. the Wood Show. Story uh, of the offseason, six-year, two-and-a-half-million average annual value, huge deal for the Wood the Show. bag secured. I swear to God, I swear to God, GM Chris McFarland, 
not Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick's the sort of president. He oversees things. I know. GM Chris McFarland, I swear to God, listens to our podcast. Only explicable reason Miles got <laughs> six years. We love you, Miles. We're going to keep fighting for you. And guess what? Six years, it's it'll be here sooner than you know it. All right? We're already lobbying for that next deal. And if you need contracts, you need promotions, you need... Etc. We're gonna keep doing it. So Mileswood podcast. I, I, I give us a. I give him a huge podcast boost on that. Well, I think he, he must listen. I, I remember at the end of last year, we were actually concerned he might not get another contract, um, just because he was a healthy scratch for most. Of the, like he was getting uh, scratched. tough. Tough to try and define minutes when you're in a competitive New Jersey market and define healthy. Right? We don't know who's battling behind the scenes. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, clearly a lot because guys who know a lot more than us on the inside uh, of what's going on here. They really decided Miles Wood was somebody who needed to be paid, and we couldn't agree more. You know, I think we were we were blinded by the healthy scratches a lot. Maybe not healthy scratches, but congrats, Miles, dude, in for a big role here. He's got to be a third liner if they're paying him two and a half. Well, it, you know, that could shift. Andrew Cogliano on the fourth. He's a guy that works hard, but uh, did like suffer a big five. Oh, he is eighty five, and he did have a big uh, big spine injury. I actually, think in the playoffs, so it is. It's nice to see that he uh, he did break his back in the playoffs. So it is nice to see Cagliano will be ready to dress up. Unfortunately, on uh, it it sounds like the Landeskog show might drag on a little bit longer. It could be as he's unexpected to play this year one more time um, after I think he had cartilage replacement surgery in his right knee. But uh, shot. Uh, it 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 Doctor Sif here. Yeah, well, surgeon, it's actually the surgeon. The surgeon, Sif. surgeon, surgeon was a uh, was a elementary school dad of mine. So you know, oh, he actually does have the inside. Yeah, I do have the inside. Yeah, no, fuck you, buddy. Did you talk to the guy about it? No, I didn't talk to it. You know, right. there's something right, called uh, what is it? HEPA? What is it? The medical HIPAA. 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 Yeah. Whatever. Health yeah. insurance protection. Uh, uh, da, 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 Act. Da, da, da. I think there, there are two A's at the but, end. The um, no, the captain, the 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 leader of this team. We haven't seen him dress up since basically the Stanley Cup Finals for for Landis it, it sucks to see, but another year lost. But just means we get to see a little bit more of the Nate Dogs' leadership skills. What are you so upset about? I'm just saying your captain's out. You go out and you sign Miles Wood for six years. Like like that. That's an fair, ob- fair, that's an fair. obvious like, like cause like and effect. Swap. Fair, fair, fair. I do have okay. So, <laughs> like Landy, Landy's healthy. Miles does not get this deal from Colorado. It's true. He gets I, it. I he gets it from thirty-one other teams lining up to give him six-year yeah. contracts. Oh, but I don't know about that. But Colorado was an exciting opportunity. McKinnon can skate with him now. So, well, no, it allows uh, him to take a little bit of a flyer on Jonathan Drewin. They bring him in on I think a low number and and better and, be. Well, <laughs> yes, uh, but they're hoping to tap into some of that talent that uh, Tampa saw. All those all those years ago, but after a first round exit to the Seattle Kraken, and the the wild card seed that kind of took it a ton by the by storm last playoffs after making that run. Uh, honestly, I mean, I know this this uh, Avalanche team was a lot more talented that could have gone a lot further in this this last year's playoff. But this might be the rest this team needed because it's been a lot of mileage on this uh, on this Avalanche roster, and and I know the likes of Makar who was banged up in that playoff, Byram who had a strong, finally kind of discovering his game last year. Um, so it, you you got to understand that 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 a little time off never hurts. So the Avalanche are I think retooled and, and ready to go for an exciting twenty three twenty four. But boys, what do we got? Yeah, so I have a logistical question here first. I don't know if anyone knows right now, but Valerie Nichuskin had kind of a weird, undisclosed situation. Is he cleared to play? Are we talking about him leaving the hotel? And uh, he didn't. He was Rusty. He Ru- Rusty did research this topic, and I found, <laughs> I found, I found, I found 
an alarming number of controversial Valerie Nachushkin articles about a lot of shady things, including like donations to charitable organizations and all kinds of weird <laughs> financial ties. But but there, there was that weird departure in the playoffs in Seattle. There was a woman in his hotel room. There was all these details. There was hotel. body yep. cam yep. footage. Yep. There was this and that. Looked like a big cover up. I was convinced he was just going to run back to the KHL and go play for some Russian mobster. He's back. Everything's ho hum on it. He's not talking about it, and he's going to play game one. So, so like for the podcast sake, for looking at the season sake, he's healthy, he's ready to go, <laughs> and he's completely available. So I'm not again. We are yep. not uh, arbiters of of law, but uh, we are arbiters of hockey takes. And so for the interest of the Slot Shot Podcast, Valerie Nachushkin, aka Choo Choo, is a hundred percent good to go for day one. Okay, that's. I mean that that actually impacts a lot because he's he's a really good player. He's a top six forward on any team. And without him, the lineup would look a lot different. So that's that changes how I look at this team. Again, the top six scoring, I like Johansson here. I think uh, he could be – it'll be interesting to see how they line this team up uh, on a day-to-day basis and what their kind of best lineups are. But uh, Johansson, I think, steady. You know, I, I just like his role. You know, I, I think he's a solid number two center. Drew in if they're planning on him being on the top line, I think that's a mistake. Maybe it's not. I just haven't seen anything that is really exciting about it. It's preseason. Him. Things are going to change. Things are. I know. I just am curious. Like, like it, on the wingers that could move up, you have Tatar, who I would not be surprised. He's shown he can move up into a top six role. Woody. Woody I got. I, I got. I got one. But before we get to Woody, because Woody's going to be his own thing. Um, as far as Duran's concerned, Duran and McKinnon were line mates in junior. Correct. Oh really? That's interesting. And so they like that's why Duran went three. McKinnon wanted wanted yeah. Duran on this team. It's you know, and so and so this is literally Duran's last, last final last opportunity to be a top scoring player in the NHL because we've all realized the guy can't play a bottom six role even though he's a great skater and yada yada yada. He's not going to be having a long NHL career if he can't produce 50 to 60 points in a top six role. And this is his chance where Nate Dogg's literally stuck his neck out for him and said, hey, you know, I know it hasn't worked everywhere else. Give him a shot on my line. And they're going to try to make it go. Mm-hmm. So that's the background on Drewen here. Yep. Um, but very unique, and it's an example of a of a huge, like again, probably what top five, top ten player in the league sticking his neck out for it's, a former liney and like a good buddy and saying, a shot, saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, give us a chance. And Drewen, like the skill, the speed, the talent, it's never been a question. It's just been about producing, and he's looked like dog shit in all of his NHL stops. Health has, health's been an issue. I think concussions. Kind of. Mental of, health. Mental health. Well, physical. There's, there's been a little bit of both, I believe, in that in that sense. But um, final thoughts, or are we ready to move on to uh, a little bit of our X factors? With well, I have, a co- I have a couple things here. First off, I think n- now knowing that with the context, Duran could be a good fit. Because the one thing I think that has shown through is he can pass. You know, I, I haven't seen a shot. He's always had low goal numbers in comparison to points. But when you're, when you're put around – Bro, he's had low offensive numbers. No, but he's put up he's put up like a good amount of assists. Not nothing crazy, but like he he has put up some assists. I think he had one fifty point season. Other than that, it's been disaster, disaster, disaster into the player, you know, mental health. Trust me, no, I'm not a big Drian fan, but like he's had like he seems to be more of a passer at that NHL level. Um, but then on the rest of the roster, the defensive core, I think this top three of defensemen is is maybe the best in the league. I'd, I'd have to look at all these head-to-head, but obviously Kale McCarr, Devin Tays, and Bone Byram, who look like 
especially with Kale McCarr being out, we get to see him do a little bit more. Um, they're just all electric, and they all kind of bring a little bit different flair. Devin Tay's more like, I guess they all have an all-around game. It's just it's kind of weird to talk about Kale McCarr's all-around game because he plays it so differently than everyone else, but talk about an electric three to eight minutes and just be elite. But also, one of the biggest like steel trades of all time was Colorado acquiring Devin Taves from the Islanders when Taves was kind of, everyone was like, wait, who's this other guy named Taves? Almost the same way yeah. we talk about the defensive uh, Sebastian Ajo yeah. versus yeah. the Carolina, like the Islander Ajo versus yeah, the right. Carolina Ajo. And then Taves comes to Colorado. He plays with McCarr and their chemistry and Taves taking the next step in his career is a Quinnipiac guy. Um, and that if there was a best on best Olympics right now, Taves and McCarr would be a pairing oh, on I, Team Canada. Be, I think the so, first yeah. pairing on Team Canada. Canada. That's a huge statement, right? I think like, it's true. But I know, no, no, I know, I know. But like, I just want to emphasize, like you talk about first team All Pro, second team All Pro. When you say you're going to be the top pairing for Team Canada. That's huge. It's usually superstar and superstar, and usually they're not teammates. And in this case, it's two guys that are both excellent. Obviously, McCarr's on a different level, but the chemistry between the two of them and the way they play together is really exceptional. But Devin Tays mm-hmm. is also getting talked about now, and I, I think a lot of people noticed this, and then I was like, are we going to still keep seeing this? He's being talked about as like a top 10 elite level defense. Well, his, his I don't know if he is there, there but like he's, in a, he's a true number one, I think. And I think it's hard to see that without McCarr playing. I think he's the most elite Robin of all time. Not of all time, but like he's in the he, NHL for sure. He's he's like he's like on a he's like the same way McCarr is on a different level for Batman. He's on a different level for Robin, if you follow. Understood. Yeah. I don't love Taves going to you know some random team that has you know the Coyotes, which we'll get to. But like I don't love Taves going to the Coyotes playing one one you know top D man role and being like that guy. I think it's possible. But again, I think he's. I think he's. He's just. He's like a tier above every other Robin, the same way Makar's a tier above every other Batman. I know the, the the pushback on that is when the whole slew of injuries happened. This team last year, when they were half the Colorado. Oh, Makar was out for a long time. But it wasn't just Makar; it was the Fords too. They were not a good team, and Devin Tays was great. Like he was fantastic he running he PP one, playing power or penalty kill one. Like he was an elite defenseman with everyone out. So like. Was a different context, you know. This wasn't Correct. the Colorado Avalanche he was playing on. And I don't want this to be an anti Devin Taves take because I'm a big Devon saying. Taves guy. It's just like you know, I think McAvoy, Fox, uh, McCarr, Hedman, Yossi, right? Those guys. I don't love Taves stepping into their roles on their teams. I get it. Well, yeah, those are those are the top five defensemen. Yeah. Those are Batman. Yeah. Right? Well, it helps when you've got Kale McCarr as your line me, and I. It's not his fault, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not his fault. Can't blame the guy. Um, Before we get to X factos, though, I mean, j- just like there's a lot of turnover with this Colorado team, and like, th- this is actually a big story in the league. Like, this is one of the leading teams. They won a competitive division last year, and they bring in a lot of change. We mentioned Drewen. I'm not gonna say another word about that French F. Um, but Ryan Johansson, all right, not well, n- n- not Johansson, Ryan Johansson, British Columbia, not Swedish. Okay, this guy, he had it in 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 Nashville for a long time. Looked like a center one. Ups and downs. I think some problems around professionalism. I think were kind of took their toll on his development and whether reaching his ceiling or not. Now he's coming into a Colorado team that is basically since they won the cup. What have been? What have they been missing the most? Nazem Kadri, Gabriel Landeskog. Right. Those are the to me. Those are the two biggest holes since them being like, holy shit, this is the cup team to beat for the next few years. 
I think Johansson has an opportunity to be that C2 and to fill that cadre hole in a very big way. Now, the line mates, Choo Choo, again, God bless the legal situation. And, hey, if the, guy, if the guy's on the ice, we're going to support him. And Nichushkin's an unreal uh, uh, sidecar for that. And I think Lekkonen with his skills in front of the net, that, that's, a gr- that's a strong second line. Third line's very interesting. Woody, Rusty Colton, and right now it looks like Tatar. Could, could, be, could be O'Connor. I could see our boy Logan O'Connor getting in there. Absolute termite. That uh, that might be the termite line of the year uh, with Wood, Colton, O'Connor. That could be the termite line of this season. So I'm, I'm done talking about the forwards. I think we know what we're going to get from Cogliano. I actually Googled Ben Myers to figure out what his deal is. And I don't know, he played college hockey somewhere, and he's kind of an ish to make the team. We'll see how that shakes out. But um, – I think that third line has potential there, and I think that's my big takeaway from the forward group. I like it. I like it. I think, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's a solid team. You know, there, there is a reason this team has been so consistent over the years. Yes, you're finally starting to see turnover. I think, you know, with your point about Johansson. Um, Johansson, British Joe Columbia. Johansson. Not Sweden. Uh, Joe Hansen is, uh, you know, you you kind of get a a guy that can play power play one. It allows Nate Dog to go onto the onto the point and potentially put McCarb, Nate Dog on the points. You've got. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember the 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 Kachuk tiers, right? Kachuk, Hyman, uh, Bertuzzi, all the way down to Maddie Maddie C, uh, Matthew Bunting, right? Looking at those tiers. like Ryan Johansson is kind of on the. In my opinion, he's kind of on like the Joe Thornton tiers. We're like Joe Thornton. Uh, Joe Thornton in his prime's a ten. Ryan Johansson in his prime's like a five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, oh, it's that kind of a big body pass first. Um, you know, he's a, a good, effective He's good center. at the draw. He, he's he's a good face off winner. Is he? I, I think so. I think his numbers are positive. Sure um, and you know, you're you're not wrong. He is a sizable guy. I think at Columbus, he broke in with Columbus. It was a big trade to Nashville. Uh, he was paired up with Duchesne for a long time, and and it was a powerful line when Nashville was was powerful. And then you've kind of seen, obviously, things kind of tail off towards to where they have been. And we'll, we'll talk about Nashville. Don't you worry. Uh, but uh, you know, I, for what the money had and what what they had to do in terms of finding a, a replacement for Kadri, I think this is a good look. And they got him on, a, I think, a four million dollar deal, which is huge upside. Johansson was a force in the playoffs in a couple series. Like he was really, he was a noticeable player. He was making plays. I, I think for a team where he doesn't have to be the guy to slot in, it's on a cheap deal. Arm, I'm really glad you said where he doesn't have to be the guy. I think that's a big thing for him, kind of reaching his potential at this stage in his career. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, enough on that. But uh, all right, X factors. Uh, X factors. We got to get X. We got. We got to keep going. Yep. We got to keep going. We're rolling on. We're all rolling right, on. Who's up for factors, Jack? You're in charge. Uh, since you say it, I'll, I'll just go. I'll go ahead. Um, I am going to call upon – I'm going to call upon Ross Colton. You know, he came over from Tampa. He, he, was, a, he was a meaningful force. I know you will get what you get with a guy like Ross Colton. Um, come in, be, uh, be a guy that can be uh, big center depth. I don't know much about Ben Myers. Like you said, I'm already getting the stare of death from uh, – from uh, from Rusty and no I, no no you're misinterpreting my facial. Ben Myers is a nobody. No, me. I know. So it's that more important that Ross Colton is steady. I think you have a great center within obviously the the one two and then bring in Ross Colton and you've got depth and and that is uh, a, a very interesting line three. I like the pick. I also just like on a Ross Colton. I like players that go from great franchises to great franchises. There's something about that. The win win situation. I, I trust that signing to be good. 
arm. I love that you bring that up, and I'm not going to go on a tirade here, but like, if if you were valued and you came up in a winning scene and you get acquired by another win now winning scene, you're showing characteristics that GMs and front office people see as winning characteristics, and I think that's Rusty Colton in a nutshell. Yep. And by the way, true across all sports, I see this happen everywhere. And it, you know, great parents gave him an excellent first name. <laughs> True, true. So since th- he's got the same name as you, that means you just it's, you're going second. Who is it? All right. Well, I already blew my load on uh, Johansson. I'm sticking with Johansson. Johan- Johansson's the big deal here. Um, Johansson's the difference between this being a powerhouse team that we all look at the same way we did they won it all, um, and us looking at them as kind of another team that's uh, in the mush of the Western Conference. So to me, Johansson's, uh, Johansson's the big deal. Um, if he's a dominant second-line player, they are – scary and i'd say favorites um if he's not then they're not they're, they're they're kind of in that mix and again always a dangerous team to play against but um you know without him really standing out and being consistent i think they're kind of like they were last year um i think you said it earlier if this is the true cadre replacement this team is it and i agree with that and i think that's a great call yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy I went third because it was like, is somebody going to take Johansson? Because if not, I'll take him. Like, he kind of has to be an X Factor on this team, you know? One of us should mention him. I'm going to go with, just quick honorable mention, Bowen Byram because he's got the upside to, to just change any team, you know? But that's less interesting to me. That's more just he can be elite. But, like, Byram could come off the top rope and seem to be, like, the next Batman in training. It's true. And, like, no, that's really is. scary behind Makar. It's totally scary. But that's just a young player with loads of potential. He could do it, you know. But my true X factor is going to be Tomas Tatar, former <laughs> wing. And the reason why, I, I know, I knew there's going to be some reaction to this, but the reason why, Tatar is a guy who can move up and down the lineup in in a lineup that I think might need some secondary scoring, depending on how things fall and depending on what the health of this team looks like. Like this has not been a healthy team lately. Tatar is a guy who can fit in that third line and play well in his role. He can also move up and start scoring on those top two lines if he's asked to play that role a little bit more. Oh, if he, sorry, if he provides secondary scoring, I just think he's a, he's a valuable asset that will never be somebody that's mentioned. It's like, oh, he made this thing churn, but he's one of those kind of behind-the-scenes, just consistent players who has upside to put a, a couple more in the net, you know? So uh, he's an X-factor for me just to see. Inevitably, he's going to be asked to fill in somewhere on certain games. There's going to be a stretch where he's got to move up. How does he play there? That's a great point, Arm. We talked about Nachushkin and some of the wild cards around him, right? Lekanen, he's had injury pass. We know Miles tends to get hurt the way that he plays, right? So, like, I think there's some fluidity in the middle six, and Tatar sneaking on to a scoring line. I, I, I love the pick because, you know, he could be a very big key factor for them, and he could be, you know, on waivers by Christmas. I don't think that's a possibility. I don't think it wavers, but uh, you know when you <laughs> that's saw crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. When you see you know the guys that went out the door for this this avalanche uh, forward group, just wavers by Christmas is my new line. <laughs> it makes uh, Tatar's role that much more important. You know he's he's filling in for guys. Uh, you know I don't think he's taking in the role of, of Evan Rodriguez, but uh, you know he is he is absolutely a better replacement than a Darren Helm, and he is a better replacement than. Uh, uh, and actually, you could say he's, he's taking a, a Lars Eller role a, a little bit in but terms of where saying, he's coming. You're saying he's he may not be the Evan Rodriguez. You know who currently is Drew In. 
a guy who we none of us have faith in. We're having faith because he played That's in fair. juniors with McKinnon. No, I'm that surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah, well, well, Jack hasn't picked his X Factor yet, has he? I yeah, did. did. Oh, he did. He so did. none of us picked Duran. I, I was thinking Duran going into it, but I'm just like, dude, fuck that guy. Uh, but like, we, we know where you stand on it. But but also, if Duran and McKinnon click, and all of a sudden yeah. Duran looks like the number three overall pick, holy hell, that, that's insane. So yep, totally. that's sort of a, a community chest uh, honorable mention wild card. But I just I have zero faith in him. I think he's going to be a disaster. But if anybody can make him work, it's Nate Dog. Right. Yeah. Done, done screaming. They've, got, put, a, they've got a great on. goalie. They've got strong D, and they've got a great coach in locker room. They're a dangerous team. Yep. I could have ten assists with McKinnon on my line. Oh, I think we all could. Even you, Ross. Even you. Uh, moving on to the Dallas Stars, the uh, the Stars they lost in the Western Conference Final after after a tough fight with the Vegas Golden Knights and finished forty seven twenty one and fourteen for one hundred and eight points. The Stars, the Stars, the Stars. Paulie, we hear you. We actually had uh, we had dinner. Arm Dog was out. Uh, uh, Ross is uh, exiting the room, but Arm Dog was. I can't remember where, where you were. It doesn't matter. But it was great to meet you, Paulie. We know you're excited about this Stars team and. And when you got guys like Wyatt Johnson, who uh, who was a rookie last year and and stepped into a very impressive scoring role and already a second line center, passing uh, guys like uh, Rodkin Fosca and, and Tyler Sagan, and and being in a huge role for the Stars team is, is impressive steps for his development. Uh, but the fact is, this uh, this Stars team didn't need much of a turnover. Really, only seeing two spots that uh, that you're potentially seeing new guys, and that you know is is the flyer they took on 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 the buyout prospect of or not prospect, but the buyout of of Matt Duchesne. He he lands in a in a very winnable situation with a very competitive team being the Dallas Stars, and then they bring in from the Boston Bruins Craig Smith um, for for some depth for this forward group. Um, the defensive core, nothing, uh, nothing too, too different in terms of uh, the pairings. It seems like the the tops or the the six will be the same between Heiskanen, Suter, Hanley, Hart. I gotta jump in. I gotta Harley, jump in. Harley, Jackie, I gotta jump in. I gotta jump in. This Thomas Harley is a big change. Is a big change on D. Uh, former first round pick. But he 20- was there last year, wasn't he? He played in the playoffs. He was up and down from AHL, um, and he was yeah. You know, he he kind of got his first real meaningful time in the playoffs. Uh, but this 55 Harley on D they have is a 22-year-old former first-round pick that's uh, a very, very big influence on how they look at things. As far as the combos that we see here from daily face-off, you know, I'm not sure how it will shake out. I think Lindell and Hockenpah is a pretty proven, secure pairing. Correct. Um, and that leaves kind of Harley and Lindquist, or Lindquist um, on, on the bottom. But I, I think they'll kind of feel that out and see what's up. But I do want to make that major call-out because – this Harley kid and his development is a—it's a really big piece for Dallas roster building wise. Uh, no, I appreciate you jumping in right there, and uh, you're right. No, because that, if this seemingly if this is a hit, this team is as as we kind of said with what the position with uh, uh, with uh, Johansson on uh, on Colorado. This is kind of what Dallas is click to pick, and and I'm, uh, I've got a good feeling he'll be an X factor out of one of the three of us. But uh, the Dallas Stars, you know. I, You've seen it from Hints. You've seen it from Johnson. You know what you're getting from Jason Robertson. Uh, Jamie Benn is stepping into you know that more of a second line scoring threat for this team, which is which is probably better in, in terms of what his his role is at this point. But uh, this team is is stacked. There there's no questions about it. And uh, Alex, why don't you lead us off with the Dallas Stars? Yeah, I mean, I it's it's an interesting roster because the top line is a power line. I, I think through and through. Jason Robertson, I think people are a little bit down on because of the playoffs. And he, I, I think it takes players a year or two sometimes 
to develop into playoff players to to because it's like a secondary level of pace, right? You learn that NHL pace, and then you have NHL playoff pace. Robertson, I think, adjusted well by the end of by like the second half of the series, right? Like, or, or not series, but playoffs. Like, I think he started a little bit slow, and then he started learning how to have some more like greasy goals. Hints looked like a superstar in the playoffs. Pavelski is Pavelski. The second line, a bit interesting. Jamie Ben had a great year last year. You, you hope you see that again. But we're also two years off of him not having a great year. So it's, you know, it's, him having a great year again is not anything that I would call a given. But, you know, he played well, so you're expecting that. You're, you're hoping that. Wyatt Johnson, a guy who can take another step. To Donov, I don't know what his upside really is, but solid player. I love bringing Duchesne in. I think at a cheap deal, at kind of just a flyer. I, I, Matt Duchesne's a really good player. You know, I, I expect if things go well with it, he'll be on the second line. You know, I think he's a top six forward still, and I expect that to happen. I, I, I think he can just beat out Dodonov, you know. I, I think it would be odd for him not to get up there. Sagan, we'll see what he's got left, you know. There's a lot of guys who are a little bit older, but you bring in the youth. So the forward group is strong. Defenseman-wise, and Ross, I know you're a big Harley guy, as we, we touched on already. I think I, I, I want to be very clear. I, I'm not saying Harley is the future. Harley is the next Chris Pronger. I, I get it. I get it. He's a pivotal piece. But if he's a, if he's a true like second line first first guy on the second pairing, which I think like that's not unrealistic for a first round pick playing well, that's a big thing for this team. Like the the defensive core is a lit a little bit like questionable, right? Heiskanen, I think we're all in on him being a stud. Um, Ryan Suter's old as shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on, one at a time. Heiskanen, legit Norris candidate. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a one A. He's a Batman. He's Batman. Yeah, I I think we're all in on it, and like he's a guy. Some people might not. This is a heightist saying this. People may not like the fact that like a six footer is that guy, but he is. So here's like <laughs> like hardcore like you know, pissed off Rusty line. If you don't think Miro Heiskanen's Batman, you're an idiot. Just watch him play. Really, he can do everything. Uh, but then the rest, I, I really have question marks throughout. And I know you like Harley. I think S.L. Andel has, like, upside to be like Ryan Jensen, which I, I I think people don't really understand how good Ryan Jensen is. But we talking Capitals Jensen? Capitals Jensen has been a solid second liner. He I'm hasn't done it yet. I'm though. not sure his first name's Ryan. I am sure. Okay, okay. He played for the Wings. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so you think Lindell and Jensen are comparable? I think Lindell could be Jensen. So my big thing with Lindell, like Lindell's a pretty elite shutdown guy. He's like 6'3", he's got good size length, he can be mean, he's Finnish. You know how the Finns play, little uh, Mikey C. bunting in you, if you follow. Um, and, you know, I, I think I think Lindell, I, I think they're, what this franchise would really take a next step for would be Lindell and Heiskanen being a top pairing and then having something else between Harley and Hockenpah, Harley and Hockenpah being maybe the third pairing, having a different kind of combo there at three and four. I think, or, or at, at three and four. Like I think that's what makes this like a pretty flawless roster. But I need to give a ton of credit to GM of Dallas, Jim Nill. Look at this lineup, and you've got Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan as the two top grossing players on the salary cap in middle six roles. So you've got Robertson on this early extension deal that's going to be an absolute robbery until he comes up when he's going to get a big payday. Same story for Hintz. Pavelski's obviously, you know, he's, he's old. He's like 38 or whatever, um, but like a perfect third wheel on that line. Um, so that top line is elite, but like their big money is kind of lost on the roster because you have between Ben, Sagan, and Suter, 
those are three pretty bad contracts on an otherwise like almost like again i i was big on the stars last year right an almost perfect roster and so they're making up for all of those with great value with hints great value with robertson johnston is making pennies um you've got on d they locked up heiskanen he's making again i think a good fair deal he's worth probably 20 percent more than he's making um and then like good depth guys like hawk and paul and dell um etc so like i just like i look at this team and it's like it seems like it's all there however it's scary to think what they could be if they didn't have these bad contracts they have to deal with yeah i think right. the the one that jumps off the page is is ryan Suter. Um, and you know, I think, uh, through, through last year's playoffs, you know, we were waiting for the legs and, and him to be more exposed than he was, I, you know, yes, it, it, there, his moments were absolutely there. And as he completely, uh, as he gets older by age every year, uh, that's going to be more of a risk that they're going to take. I think with your perfect scenario, as you explained Ross, in terms of what the decor would look like, uh, Suter would be your seventh defenseman that you wouldn't have to be. Reliant on night in and night out, or like or like sixth or fifth. Like I think I think Suter playing like like third pairing minutes would be really good for an elite. Group. Like a Mark Stahl for, uh, but and, and I and I don't. Yes, uh, yeah, well, Mark Stahl in the top that, four. Though. Yeah, well, Mark Stahl was, and they're different kind of play. But but my my point on that was Jack. It was it was more like, and I don't want to be too cruel to Ryan Suter because uh, frankly I get a lot of player comps for him. Like, you know. <laughs> Both of us make the game look pretty effortless. Um, anyway, but um, it's like when Suter's with Heiskanen, it's almost like Heiskanen's pushing the wheelchair. I hate to say it that way. Totally. But, like, that's kind of how it is. Um, and Heiskanen's a guy that has such elite upside. You'd like to see a steady Eddie, maybe like a Lindell. That's oh, imagine if Heiskanen had a, a Taze next to him. I, I oh, Perfect comp. Perfect I understand comp what you're job. saying. Exactly. I understand what you're saying. And they're hiding Ryan Suter by putting him in in with Heiskin because I think they trust the fact that they can that Suter won't be as exposed when he's with a Heiskin in versus a guy like Lindell or versus like a guy like Hawkenpaw or Harley. It's a great point on the decor, Jack. I couldn't agree more. Where I need to jump in is you say, you know, the contract that jumps out of you. The big purple elf in the room of the cap management of the Dallas Stars and their roster, it's Tyler Sagan. Yeah, I had a feeling. That Over $9 million, third line center. Like, we know he's got the ability. He's had some tough injury stuff. I've honestly really liked how his game's rounded out. Um, but he's he's the elf in the room. He is. He, he did show last year. He stepped up when Pavelski went down in the playoffs. He did step up. Well, he stood in front of the net and got a few power play but points. He but he tough goals. He had tough goals there. But arm, arm at nine and a half million. I get it. No, nobody's you got to be a one or deal. two center that's elite. Yeah. Well, I agree. Well, I, agree. I mean, we're going to get there with with some teams in the central division. But he's only thirty one years old, and no, I, I think there's more to unlock, and maybe not another level to ceiling yeah. to reach. But um, I think they're confident in a healthy full year with a good team around them, a good motivation that maybe you reach a Sagan, what we've been seeing, what we haven't seen in a while. And I'm not going full Bruins crazy psychosis here, I promise. But like, you look at Sagan entering this year, okay? He's had some tough, like very serious injuries he's had to rehab back from. I think his physical conditioning is second to none. He's in really great shape on that front. One of the bigger issues throughout his career has been his off-ice antics. He just got married. He's kind of settling down. Um, I think he's focused purely on hockey right now. And the game has always been there. And now that he's filled out physically, I do think he can be like a very, 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 very good second-line center. And when they slot him in at third-line center here, 
like that's kind of I'm kind of bleeding my cards here for my X factor, but it's like everything's in place for Sagan to 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 be to reach his ceiling and to be a major impact player here. And based on the contract situation, they can't afford for him not to. And you know what I also kind of like? I was confused about these lines. These are just projected lines, so we don't know if this is what they're going to be. But they had Ben Johnson and Tadonov together, who played well together last year. Sagan with Duchesne, I kind of like. Like Duchesne's not that old. Duchesne's got some wheels on him still. That could be a move to say, hey, let's try to unlock Sagan a little bit, give him a little bit more talent around him. And don't forget about Greasy Marchment, the termite, getting in front of the net, you know, being a, Mike, he's be, being a Mikey C type uh, in front of the net, you know, mm-hmm. um, causing trouble, drawing penalties, yep. being a pain in the rear. Like, that's Marchment's role. And he can keep up with those guys and stay out of their way and then get to the front of the net and let them play perimeter. You know, I, it's I think, kind of a sneaky line, but it, it requires. I was gonna like Marchman is a guy I think we were all kind of liking, and then he he sucked at the second half last year, including the playoffs. He was garbage. Like he was legitimately bad on the ice. He looked slow. He didn't make any plays. We know he's got more than that. So so, and I just just a little disclaimer for Marchman last year, was and it, again, was the, it the year? Was it last year that happened? he lost his dad in the offseason before okay. the game, like unexpectedly, like a random, you know, like whatever, and like he was his dad was an NHLer, obviously a long tenure, like a really important figure, like that was a big thing. Yeah. So like, there's that on the mental side. He also had physical issues that he had to work he through, injured. and so when he showed up for the playoffs, he was kind of like being ready to play versus. Uh, he was like getting ready to play versus being ready to play, et cetera. Yep. So I, I do think there's a big upside opportunity for Marchman. I've always liked, uh, well, other than his diving and some of his uh, Mikey C type tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, no, I, I, I just I wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer there just so that we're fair. Um, but I mean that that could be a, I mean that's a real powerhouse no, on nine. That's Duchesne's a juice. and that's a line that you know if you unlock Duchesne, you unlock Sagan. Marchment's serviceable. That's a second line team in in most of the league right there. It could so be. It, it could be one of those. That's a very elite, as you just said, a very elite top nine. And it could be one of those second lines that Johnson to Donoff Ben that kind of plays the third line role, and and you let the older guys with skill, slower guys a little bit, you know, well get I'll after t- the uh, offense a little bit more. But, but with John with Johnson, why? And like, quick and like, quick and final like, thoughts before we move direction. Yeah, really quick, really quick, really quick. Uh, Johnson came out of nowhere. Uh, well, nowhere is the stretch. He led. The, just a he, rookie last well, year. Well, no, he led the CHL in scoring before he came to the NHL, so it Correct. wasn't out of nowhere. However, right as a debut, he looked awesome and produced a lot of offense, a lot more than he was expected. Something like 45, 50 points. We're not stat nerds, but something in that ballpark. He takes the next step. That's a big deal. That's a legit second line. We just talked about the upside of the third line. Whoa. Okay. So that that's kind of my bit there. The last thing I'll say about Dallas's forward group, you mentioned Craig Smith. Sam Steele. Yep. Sam, Sam Steele is kind of that 13th forward. is like the Correct. daily faceoff isn't get. I think I think their best lineup is probably gonna have Sam Steele playing and Craig Smith on the ninth floor. But again, I, I again Craig Smith is he's got things to offer, but I'm just saying he lost some of his game in Boston last year. It was just it didn't really click. It might work better in the scheme of how DeBoer runs things, et cetera. He he could he could he's a he, you look at his he's a twenty twenty forty guy. Oh, he's done. He's produced. I mean, when he was in Nashville, he and was he's a not lethal. Phys- guy he's not. In he's Nashville. not physically done. He was just very out of sync on this record-setting Bruins team last year. So, um, I, like, he's kind of up and down and crazy. But I think Steele's a better checker. Whatever. Anyway, my my point is they've got a little bit of depth on that fourth line too. And that's that's what makes this Dallas team to look at. I think you know we'll talk about our predictions later. But you got to like what what Dallas is able to do. And it, and it was really only two additions to add to it. Uh, well, three with Steele, but sorry. 
excuse me, but um, you know, I, I like what Dallas has done, and it's unlocking a a few different uh, guys that have tapped in before, and and uh, they're right there. But as we move on to our X factors, X factors, I went first, so I'll go third. Uh, Ross, why don't you slide into one? And Alex, you go to Harley. I already said my point. Um, Thomas Harley, fifty-five on D. Can he play a top four role? Can he? Can he be uh, an important contributor? Uh, first round pick. It's all there. I love. I love what I've seen, but uh, very small sample size. So, can Thomas Harley play eighty-two games? Be an important, um, you know, top four defenseman. And uh, Thomas Harley is my X factor. You're bleeding your cards early into the Dallas segment, but I hear you. I hear you, Alex. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go simple and not overthink this one. Why Johnson? If he develops, you know, if he is that number two center, any any team with center depth you can really rely upon, I think. And we know about Rope Hints. Rope. Rope. Guy's a beauty. Tank. Hinsk. Hinsk. <laughs> but uh, if, Johnson, Hinsk. if Johnson develops in a, a true second-line center, this team is even more dangerous than uh, they already are, which is – and there's a lot of X factors. So arms X factors, Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt Johnson. Let's Woo! See. What's what's the ceiling? What's the seller? Well, the ceiling last year. What uh, he had, I think the ceiling is like a a guy who some people, some biased stars fan will say is a number one center, but realistically is just a good number two center. How many points? Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I think even High. if he puts up 65, that's a good year. It's it's less about the points. It's more about like the 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 playing. You know, it's kind of a weird way to put it. So the reason I'm jumping in arm is I think Wyatt Johnson's a guy that you can measure his effectiveness purely on points. I get it. I just don't see power play one for him. You're right. That's a tough power play to hack, and that's where a lot of points go. So I think 65 is fair. I think 65 would be a great year on power play too. And you're saying the basement is what, 45? Less than 50? I think less than 50, and I still think he could be a good player. Like I think he could take good strides while being a sub-50 player. It has to do with opportunity and being on that PP1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, am I, am I going, I'm going, um, uh, doucher, Matt Duchesne, uh, you know, I <laughs> love the pick. Uh, no, I mean, just bought out where, where he was in Nashville, I believe where he was bought out. Um, and you know, I think he's coming in, he, he signed a $3 million ticket, but you unlock uh, a Matt Duchesne. I think you, you instantly get a guy that's stepping into potentially power play one minutes if, if. And I think he's got a better. Well, no, there's no room on power play one. I, I know I hear you, but I no, think. No, but there's no room on power play one. <laughs> it's the top line. It's Ben in front. And it's and, uh, Heiskin in playing, power, and playing if point you, guard. So unless somebody gets hurt, he's not playing power play one. Gotcha. Okay. Well, moving on. And uh, Dusher, I think, will uh, we'll pass Dad enough. Dad enough? Dad enough? Yeah. A.K.A. Daddy. Daddy. My fav- maybe my favorite nickname in the yeah, NHL. I'm not surprised by that. They call but, him Daddy. Uh, no, I think. Call him uh, Daddy, too. Duchesne, he's, he's, he's coming into a role that. He knows his team is stacked, and if he adds to it, this team is elite and, and is a championship contender. Doucher. Doucher. I like it. I like it. We didn't even talk about Ottinger and Nett, but um, the, the, just the last thing on Dallas, Ottinger totally let me down, and I was all all my chips were on the table for Dallas last year. Obviously, that came up short. I think um, we all, so all three of us were. Wedgwood's his backup, and if Wedgwood can eat like – 25 games and, and take help. a little bit off of Otter. Maybe he'll be a little bit more fresh come playoffs, yep. but I think Dallas is, you know, no doubt a playoff team. So, um, you know, Ottinger's got to be the man come playoffs, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, all right, enough on Dallas. Love you, Pauly. Email us anytime. Uh, it goes for anybody, but especially Pauly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving on to the uh, the Minnesota Wild. 
They uh, they bowed out in the first round of the Dallas Stars, and after a 46-25-11 for 103 points, the Wild. They finally let Matt Dumba go. He's, he fell within the division, but they brought in a, a Patty Maroon, a Brock Faber, steps up into his rookie year um, after development in, uh, I believe he was a college player last year, if I'm not mistaken. Gopher. He was a gopher? I think so. That, that sounds about right. Um, after, after a great... First year for Matthew Boldy, you know, uh, this team is heading in a, in a great direction in the Central Division, uh, filled with a, a first line from Kaprizov, Hartman, and, and Zuccarello. I do think things will, will change there as well, but uh, this team has, has some steady guys in their in their top six. Uh, top, well, you know, their, forward, their fourth line is a little bit of a, of a hit or miss, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see what Maroon brings to that line with Connor Dwyer. And uh, don't know much about Duhane. So it's Dewar. It's Dewar, like the Scotch Dewars, which Dewar's. I happen to know for my. You a big Dewars guy? Well, you're a big Dewars guy. Yeah, as I say, my my, my off pot antics involve a lot of Dewars. A lot of Dewars. White label, uh, the cheap <laughs> stuff. Um, but uh, and Brandon Duhame is like your next gen, right? Like like fourth liner heavyweights don't exist anymore, and Duhame is that like what used to be called sort of a middleweight four checker. Um, he'll get into fights because he plays really hard and he plays like a jerk. Um, so I love that on the fourth line. Is he a um, worse Trent Frederick? No, because he's small and fast and compact, and Frederick's sort of long. Okay, and, so he's a and, smaller guy. Okay, I don't know yeah, much about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Duhame's, Duhame. like he might be listed at six feet, Sounds but like he's, Andy he's more like 5'10", 11. Um, but, no, I mean, he skates well, he forechecks hard, uh, but he gets himself into trouble. I, uh, trouble, I mean, like, fighting, not, like, mm-hmm. penalty trouble or anything. Gotcha. But uh, enough on Duhame. He's not, a you know, the, the biggest factor here. No, no, not at all. Um, it will be exciting for Minnesota to finally get a, a healthy Joel Erickson Eck. He was banged up in the playoffs, and it was a it was an unlucky miss in, in terms of that Dallas series. It would have brought a lot more depth to that center position, and, and he was a big miss. Uh, but boys, what do we got on this uh, this wild roster? I think Alex went first on uh, on the stars. Yeah, I just have a question. In net, is it? Uh, I think it's Gustafson. No, Gustafson? I I think it's MAF. Gustaf- it's Gustafson and MAF. No, I think MAF might be. Uh, a well, it's it's going to be one and one A. I mean, they're going to split. They also it. have this kid coming. There's a, they have Wal- a uh, yeah, uh, Jesper Wolstead. Yeah, I know who you're talking it's about. Coming. Prospect guy arm. Yeah. I mean, you're on top of that. But right now, it looks like Gustafson and and, and Flurry. I don't know if Fleury, Fleury might be a free agent. No, Fleury's on the team. I he looked is, it up. He is, yeah, he is. Yeah, right, yeah. That's right. a fact. Not an opinion. Fleury game two. No, I think it's Gustafson's, <laughs> it's Gustafson's net. And as far as I'm concerned, it, it sounds like uh, Bill Guerin in, in Minnesota want that to be Gustafson's net. Do you remember just quick flashback to last year? <laughs> when to excuse MAF in net for game two, Ross said. <laughs> he goes, they just knew they were going to get steamrolled, so they decided to let <laughs> Flurry take the blow. <laughs> Keep Gustafson healthy. If you've ever, if, if you're a political science person, wild and, and, and you know about Tiananmen Square when China rolled the tanks over the protesters, that was MAF. That was MAF going into Game Two after they stole Game One. He uh, he was a sacrificial lamb there. Did they talk but about I, it in the locker room like, "Hey, let's just chill"? <laughs> they were they, they were like, "Who's like the chillest dude that like is would be most comfortable with having seven put up like and just eat one?" MAF just ate it for him. So we're calling him MAF from now on, Jack. That's your pro- that you started that. So. It's not me, but anyway. I, <laughs> all right. 
Uh, Ross, take it away on the wild. (laughs) All right, boys. I'll dive in. So this is a team and a franchise that's still getting over the suitor and the Parisi buyouts. So I believe this is their last year taking a serious cap hit on those two buyouts. And the roster shows some of those little holes. Big credit to GM Billy Guerin, obviously, friend of the pod. Like, we're big supporters of Billy G., not just his playing style and overall demeanor, but like he's done, I think, a lot of good things to uh, make chicken salad where he's been dealing with some chicken crap. The big hole on this team that anybody that knows anything about hockey can see is Ryan Hartman is center one. Now, the reason that they can't upgrade there is because of these buyout issues and the cap uh, scenario in the NHL. So Hartman's been like pretty solid there with an absolute game changer, elite K- Kirill Kaprizov. And I think one of the most underrated players in the league in Matt Zuccarello. And so Zuccarello and Kaprizov have this ridiculous uh, kind of chemistry success. That's a legit top line, despite Hartman, who's really a third line center playing number one. I liken it almost armed to your thing about how Howla can't move up in the lineup. <laughs> Hartman's kind of a Howla playing. Howla was line. a wild. He came into the league with of, the wild. Of, of course. Howla's been on pretty much every team in the league. But um, my, my point there is that, like, this team is a replace Ryan Hartman with a legit C1 away from being, like, a cup contender. Um, and I'm not bagging on Hartman. I like the player. I like I like the like I like his whole role and whole shtick. That's what I needed to hear. I was gonna jump in. I needed to hear that. No, no, no. I, I'm not bashing on Hartman. He's a termite. He works hard. He's got skills. He keeps up. He does really he cool, epic shit with these guys. Like like these two line mates are very elite. But like, if you're paying attention, like Hartman really shouldn't be the center on that line. And you you kind of go down the rest of the forward group and, you know, Erickson Eck was a huge miss in the playoffs because he had an issue with his foot, some kind of an injury thing. And Matthew Boldy played that second line center role. Matthew Boldy looks very legit. He looks highly legit. Uh, I comped him to Kevin Hayes earlier in his career. He's his ceiling is far higher than Kevin Hayes's ever was. Um, So Erickson Eck, Big, physical, wins face-offs, 200-foot player, Selkie candidate. This guy's a fucking stud. And if he can play 82 games for them, that makes a big difference. Move to the third line. Felino, obviously an absolute predator missile. Um, became a little bit of a problem in the playoffs with the goddamn Zebras getting in the way. But, you know, Gaudreau, Freddie Gaudreau is a guy that, like, Freddie Gaudreau's in a role that I think Ryan Hartman really should be, um, where he's – playing third-line minutes, gets a puck on his stick, and then out of nowhere you'll see him rip it bar down. He could be a 20-goal candidate. Um, Marco Rossi's a big question. Yeah. Very, very high pick. Uh, Austrian centerman. Is this year one for Rossi? He's been up and down. This is the this first year, year he's one. expected to play 82 games, Jack. So he, he could be in the Calder in the Calder running if he has a successful year. I'm not worried about the Calder running. Um, so I, like, And then you add Maroon to that uh, fourth line with, I think, two kind of pretty well-tenured termites that move their feet and check well, which you need when you have Maroon down there because he doesn't move very well. <laughs> um, big body, big body. And then on, on D, right, you've got Spurgeon, the captain. He's playing with Middleton, who's kind of like Jake Muzzin light. Um, I like Middleton. I like what he brings to the table. I'm not sure he belongs on the top pairing, but he and Spurgeon are going to scrap and, and, and deal with it. Brodeen had been playing with Dumba for a number of years. Now he's got this guy, Callan Addison. So this guy, Addison, you know, he's – I don't have a lot of faith in him. Um, he's very offensive, very skilled, but I, I'm not – this will be an interesting year for him to see if he can handle the minutes and the matchups. The other pairing they have right now, and again – 
all of the bottom four, basically everyone can move around. You've got Spurgeon and Brodeen that are going to have to be the anchors for the two top pairings, and it's kind of a, a slush fund there after that. But with Alex Goligoski, who's getting up there in age, but he's smooth and he's effective, and I really love Goose. Brock Faber, we talked about him a little bit, right? Came from uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Brock Faber, I loved what I saw out of Brock Faber at the end of the year, uh, leaving Minnesota, joining the NHL, and then playing in the playoffs. He looked awesome. Um, so that's a big opportunity for them. So him and Addison are a little bit of up in the air. Then you have, you know, the Brodeen Spurgeon goose kind of, it, it, it's a little all over the place there. And I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out on D. Yeah, I think the D. I, I think if the decor goes well, Brock Faber is on the second pairing with Brodeen. <coughs> Addison, I, I think really all you need to know about Kalen Addison for now is he was going between a healthy scratch and then playing third line and power play one. So that's the type of player he is. You know, he's he's clearly <coughs> they they liked using him on the power play. He was clearly the best power play guy for a while. He also wasn't good enough to justify it being in the lineup every night. So that's kind of where he is right now. On the ice, he's like Tony D'Angelo without the controversy. Yeah. So, but I and I don't even think he's that good. I think Tony D breaks a lot of lineups. You know. Um, so, but he's young. He's young. So we could see development there. What I do think is interesting, and you bring up Brian Hartman. This center combo, last year we had Gaudreau on the, on the third-line center. It looks like Marco Ross who will take that over. You kind of had three guys who are these defensive first kind of grinder all-around centers. Who are, and that's not to discredit them. They're just not the offensive playmaker centers. Um, we likened Frederick Gaudreau to like an Erickson Eck light last year, which I think <coughs> is not – Ross gives me a face he doesn't like it. but Well, no. I mean, Gaudreau's not the guy that you're going to try to throw out over the boards to match up with the other team's best offensive players. That's not that's not who Freddie Gaudreau is. That's who Erickson Eck is. I understand that. So they're I, very I say, different I, I, in I say sense. in a light way that I, I think Gaudreau was playing a good, well-rounded <coughs> third-line center. You know, I, I think he was stable. Right, which I think Gaudreau and Hartman are a better comp than Erickson Eck. Like, Eric, like, like the, the true first line here is Erickson Eck with Zuccarillo and Kaprizov, but you got to balance things out. Correct. Um, the other question is whether Boldy goes back to center like he did last year with Erickson Eck out. Yeah. A lot of things could shuffle here, but that's kind of what you're looking at with this whole uh, well, roster and, group. And I think finally, well, not finally, but you're starting to see year after year, and when you mentioned it with the Suter and Parise deals, you know, the real only acquisition Garen could make was the Patty Maroon Maroon acquisition, and and that you're starting to feel that. And I think that's that. You know, yes, you said they're missing a true one A center on on this on this roster, and and that is going to show. And and you know, it's it is another reason why you know, yes, 103 points was was a significant um, year for this Wild team last year. I think they they regress. I think it. it we're not going to go into per- predictions quite yet. I, you know, I but. I see a regression, and it's strictly because it just, just there was no room to really make significant moves. And and uh, to me, the biggest the biggest kind of like pendulum here is they lost Dumba, correct? But they were now hopefully, and if he stays healthy, they're gaining Erickson Eck. Totally, but they also were missing Kaprizov for a good amount of last year. And I, I think, think but uh, if you miss, I think if if, if I'm going to check, I'm going to check Kaprizov injury. Played, I if it's a boldy injury, if it's an Erickson Eck injury, I think this team's. A, in big, big issues. Well, they could one of them, just score. one of them going down. They could not score with that Kaprizov. They just couldn't. Um, yeah, he played 67 games last year, so that's fair. That's that's right about in the middle. That's right about in the middle of fuck you, arm. You're wrong, and you you're kind of yeah, right. right. Yeah, I, yeah, but but the reason <laughs> he he they could not score without him in the lineup. 
Like they were clearly like heavily dependent on him scoring, which makes sense. You have him with Zuccarello; they they play well together. It it makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. X factors, boys. X factors. Can I go first on this one? Yep, you're up first. Uh, Ross, you're in uh, the hole, and I'm on deck. Yeah, so it's gonna be like a common X factor for this team if you read articles and stuff. But Marco Rossi, the reason why is I think this line. If Marco Rossi hits, and let's say he's a sixty point player. You know, let's say. If he's a wide job. That's a lot. Team. A third line 60-point player. Well, those... no, you know, you got to let me get to my point here. Ah. And Marco Rossi's a highly regarded prospect. I prospect watch from Wings fan. Uh, but he's like he's considered like a top 30 prospect in the NHL right now. If he gets up onto that first line, which I think is his potential. Like he's he's a very big prospect and, and he plays a little bit better than Ryan Hartman on that first line, right? Points are coming and then also that third line becomes elite with Hartman, Gaudreau, and Felino, it becomes like just an absolute smash mouth third line that I love. It, it just changes the dynamic of this team. So I think if Rossi hits, and I think they have high expectations for him, and I think if they'd be very happy if he ended up on that first line. I mean, uh, of course, but uh, it could cha- it could change how this roster looks big time. Who's next, Jack? You want it? Yeah, I'll go. I uh, I don't know a lot about this, Kalen uh, Addison. Addison. Mm-hmm. Um, and from your kind of insight on him, and, and a guy who is. Uh, Healthy scratch to stepping into to roll minutes. I think this Minnesota team needs him to. I you know I know I think Klinberg was a deadline acquisition for this team. Losing Dumba, I think uh, they they lack the defensive depth that they've they've had for years prior. But uh, you know if if Addison can step in and be be a role that they're they are in a much better position and they allow Brock Faber to develop a little bit more rather than the rapid pace that they need him to be, which I think Faber is an obvious choice as well as an X factor. But I'm hoping for. Addison's uh, re- uh, readiness and steadiness, he can help the, the development of, of, of the future on the blue line for the Minnesota Wild. Here comes Rusty off the top rope, just completely attacking that pick and taking Faber. Um, Faber was part of that deal where they traded Fiala. They had to trade Fiala because of their salary cap issues because of the two buyouts I mentioned. Sort of a difficult Sophie's choice for Billy G. And Faber's what they got in return in addition to some you know number one picks, et cetera. But, um, you know, Faber can take that step. I think Faber's game, he can be like a Brodeen. Uh, I think with Addison, I just I, I don't I don't like what I see from Addison. I don't think he's got it all. We'll see how it goes. But with Faber, I think if you round out, um, you know, if you end up with Faber, Brodeen, Middleton, Spurgeon, and Goligoski, you can figure out that sixth defenseman and you can kind of flex things around. To me, that's a really big deal. I love the Rossi pick. Uh, secondary scoring is going to be critical. You mentioned Kaprizov going out and them struggling to score. So that's what I got. I think uh, Faber, it's asking a lot of a guy that's played, I think, something like six or seven NHL games before the playoffs. But he got that playoff series in him. We've seen it before. NCAA guy jumps right in the playoffs, learns the game, learns the league, learns the playoffs, etc. So he's got a full offseason behind him i think he's got the ability so favors my pick yeah no i like it moving on moving on moving on from the minnesota wild to the wild card the winnipeg jets they limped into the playoffs after a 46 33 3 46 33 and 3 record for 95 points they would lose 4-1 to the vegas golden knights in the first round after taking i think game one actually that series uh, PLD, the big story of the offseason, Pierre-Luc Dubois was sent to the L.A. Kings in exchange for Gabriel Velarde and uh, one other. Velarde, Ayafalo, and Kupari, all three yeah. NHL players inject, in, uh, and sorry, will... injected right into their lineup. Correct. They got three starters for one. That was the trade. It Correct. was horse, classic pony for horses. And sorry, it... sorry. 
horse for ponies. Thank and you. Winnipeg was kind of in uh, in a tough spot in this one. They the PLD was was on record and was very notably saying he would not resign with this Winnipeg team, given that he's a uh, I think he was an RFA this year and then a UFA if they only were able to sign him for one year. Um, they were able to bounce on that and, like uh, Ross mentioned, get three ready NHL guys, one that will step into the potentially a guaranteed top six role and, and two that could be towards the bottom six, potentially top nine. Um, in terms of this Winnipeg team, Hellbuck was a big question mark in terms of where his future would be. He is still a Winnipeg Jet. He could potentially be a deadline uh, move for this team, but uh, Winnipeg, 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 it, it was – wasn't a whole lot to love about the Jets last year, and and Alex, I think uh, it's only fa- it's only fitting that you lead us off on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so I still got to slap Ross. We haven't done that yet. Do we want to do it right now? No. Ready. You ready? I'm always ready. He's ready. He's ready. No, I need to mentally prepare for this. I need <sighs> to think about this. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Soft. Time's ticking. No, I need to. Me- uh, there's some things to think through on this slap. You're a lover. You're not a fighter. Yeah, and I need to think through how hard I'm going to slap you. It's really what what it comes down to right now. I, I don't think it's the mid pod could could divulge into something crazy. I think it might be like a, a YouTube short or something. Um, Save it for the pod, they say. Exactly. Uh, but this Winnipeg team, it is sketchy. There's some good points. I think this first line of Connor, Shifley, and Velarde's good. Another point to mention: Blake Wheeler's off the team. That's kind of an identity mm-hmm. piece that, like, we we've come to know Blake Wheeler as a Winnipeg Jets oh, in the last couple oh, years. Oh, their captain and the new strip of it. And, yep. Yeah, that was a big deal. Ellers is a player that I, I think has upside. I, I don't know if we'll realize it here. Perfetti, you know, good player. There's a lot. There's a lot of Young. good players here. I think Adam Lowry is one of the better third line centers in the league. Um, he had a good playoffs last year, and in the brief moment they were there, named team captain Adam Lowry. Named team really? captain. I think yeah. that's a good call. I think that's a good call. Um, no, 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 that's a fact. That's not an opinion. Lowry was named team captain. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Then the defensive core, I think, is is rough. Um, Josh Norrissey, obviously back there. You know, almost won the Norris last year. <laughs> <laughs> His name's actually Josh Morrissey, but for a while people were calling him Josh Norrissey because he put up a lot of points. Uh, and then I like Neil Pionk, too. The rest I'm, I'm not too sold on. When you have Hellebuck in the back, it, it, it looks a lot better. But Hellebuck seemingly is disgruntled right now or just doesn't want to be on this team. And the fact that they're willing to trade him, I think, says a lot about where they think this team is. Because if they thought this team was contending, they wouldn't be looking to trade one of the best goalies Correct. in the league. It's an interesting year. They have enough talent to where I think they could push for the playoffs in this division. But are they a contender? I, they just have so many moves they need to make to become a contender. Well, it's a rock and a hard place, and uh, you know I think obviously ditching the uh, the Wheeler side of thing is, is it's a step in the right direction. I think they are they are turned they're a few pieces away. They're shifley away from a rebuild, in my opinion. And uh, you know I know there's there's talent within the roster. I think you can you know yes you can contend for another wild card spot, but I don't think this is a team that any anywhere sniffs past the first round within this competitive Western Conference. And I think uh, you got to, you know, yes, that sells tickets, and yes, you're competitive, but you could start thinking about the future real quick with this roster. It's just such a classic West or a recent classic Western Canada offseason reshuffle. You know, trade one out. Like Calgary does this every year. You know, they just kind of shuffle some pieces, and you're like, what are they? And nobody really knows. You know, they have good enough players to where you're like, they're not bad, and they don't have enough players where you're like, oh, they're good. But if the puck bounces right one year, all of a sudden you're looking at them as like a two-seed yeah. in their division. 
and we talk about them differently, but ultimately they're not good enough to really contend for the cup. It's it happens with with the Winnipeg Jets, it happens with the Flames, it happens with the Canucks. The Oilers got lucked into McDavid, so and dry saddle, so like you know, they're things are potentially different. They're paused for a little bit on that reshuffle. So, fellas, I, I, I you know, I look at this team and I look at this franchise and I go down the roster, and the first thing I do is put asterisk around every guy that's on an expiring contract because I'm thinking about the trade deadline and I'm thinking about the salary cap changing next offseason. I'm thinking about how they're going to address a real rebuild. Their hope at the playoffs is Hellebuck being God for probably 55, 60, 65 games <laughs> this regular season. You know, Hellebuck's also on an expiring deal. So I've got Hellebuck, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMeo, uh, Shifley, uh, Nito Niederreiter, all are trade deadline chips. And, you know, if I'm the GM, you know, uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff of the Winnipeg Jets, I'm thinking about, like, right out of the gates, I'm already mapping what do I want for each of these pieces. And it's possible that they hang in there. It's possible that they're in the chase. But I, I think the best thing for Winnipeg this year would be whether they're in the playoffs, you know, because they're not going to be leading the division. They're going to be in the sniff. And if they're sort of, you know, that in the hunt graphic, right, we all know from the NFL, if they're in that kind of genre right around trade deadline, I think Shevel Dayoff is doing the city of Winnipeg, the province of Manitoba, a major disservice if he doesn't sell everything off because – Brendan Dillon's a guy that every single playoff team wants on their back end as a sixth, seventh defenseman. Uh, Dylan DeMeo is a guy that every single playoff team wants as a fifth, sixth defenseman. Um, uh, I don't know about Shifley. I don't know if that's a trade you get done midseason or not. That feels like a lot. But Nino Niederreiter, that's a playoff piece. Look at what Barbashev uh, did for the Knights last postseason. Uh, I think they're very comparable players as far as playing style and overall ability, even though obviously uh, you know, Nino is a little bit older. So I look at this team and I say they're out of the playoffs, and I say if uh, Shovel Dayoff's doing the right things, they're going to be sellers. And, you know, there's enough talent. I, you know, yes, it, it comes to the conversation. All right, well, then do you shift off Kyle Connor and see what that brings in in terms of, you know, I know there's. No, because Connor's part of the core. Connor's on. You, you truly think, you think, okay. Yeah, the core here is Connor, Perfetti, Connor, Perfetti, um, Morrissey. That's really it. Yeah, I, I agree I mean, with it you. It should be Hellebuck, but obviously they're willing to trade him. But I don't think he's willing to re-sign. Well, and he's getting up there in age. He's a win-now goalie. Correct. He's a guy that you know. We'll, we'll talk about the Pacific later, but you know, I think. Oh, there's teams that want him. I think people in Alberta are getting are getting real antsy and they're pantsy about Hellbuck <laughs> maybe playing for them. Yeah. Former well, U, former UMass Little River. That rat. would be shout out X factors for this Jets team that uh, we just yeah X factors. I'm gonna go. go oh, ahead. actually, I, go I, no, I think this one's me. Um, Shit. Okay. Well, do you have one, or should somebody else go? Uh, da, 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 da. All right, I'm go jumping ahead. in. Go I'm ahead. jumping in. Cole Perfetti. Fucking a. That was what I was thinking too. Yeah, Cole Perfetti. Uh, yeah, he, he, I think he's 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 a guy they're not going to move. He's a guy that they're invested in developing. But like, as I said, I, I think the best thing for them is selling. Um, the only like world where they're a real team is Perfetti, like being that breakout guy, kind of like Tim Stutzla was last year. Uh, I don't see it, but I think that's kind of the, a big X factor for him. That's the hope. That's the hope. Um, all right, fine. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Velarde, um, and I, I say that because I like who he's paired up against. I liked him a lot. I actually saw him a few times live last year in LA and in Chicago. Um, I think he's a guy that's he's willing to get into the corners. I think he can score. 
brings a little grit to this line. And uh, if he can stay healthy and, and lead, I think he will find himself as a big key piece to this future roster. The only thing about Perfetti that makes me – or sorry, about uh, Velarde that makes me nervous is that Velarde, Shifley, Connor – a lot of shooters in that first line. A lot right? of shooters. You're, no, you're right about that. And it's just, it, it's just, it's a little. You could add, you could throw Nito up there, and you add a little speed, add a little bit of less shooting, and you could throw Velarde back there with uh, Ellers and, and Perfetti. And well, no, I, I think that I no, I think the line's the line, but it's like those are kind of equal opportunity Shoot shooters, first, guys. right? Correct. And uh, that's interesting to me. It'll be interesting how that shakes out. Yeah. Yeah, I like the pick though. He was going to be my pick. He, he just shows good skill. You know, skill that's hard to come by. Um, I will go with uh, Josh Morrissey, and really, like the opinion here is like, do it again, you know. Let's see it again. Maybe a little defensive upgrade uh, if, if if he reaches a next level. But like, put up Fair. points again. Fair. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on from the Winnipeg Jets to the Nashville Predators, who missed out by three points, forty-two, thirty-two, and eight for ninety-two points, missing the playoffs. They added. They added Luke Shen on the blue line. They added Ryan O'Reilly. They added Dennis Gurionov and uh, and a few others, but this Nashville team finally passing the torch is uh, David Poole to uh, who was it? Uh, David Poole to Barry Trotz. Barry, Barry Trotz, Trotz is the new steps GM. into former the, coach now the GM steps into a front office role and and immediately has his uh, his presence felt kind of on this team and it's interesting you know I think as we look at it you know yes they sold Tanner Janot at the at the deadline um, they felt like this wasn't the year that they were that they were in at it they're taking a stab. They felt like, all right, let's retool in this uh, this free agency period. And they feel like uh, bringing in a guy like Luke Shen, who looked amazing, amazing, obviously, in Tampa, make, looked great in Toronto in the first round. Um, I think the physicality brought a little bit of a toll on him in terms of what we saw in the second round. Ryan O'Reilly, a guy that um, didn't want the uh, the criticism of in the, the limelight of being in Toronto, picks Nashville, uh, a city that loves their hockey but isn't going to be nearly nearly as critical as anywhere in up north will be. Uh, so it, it's an interesting move. It's an interesting look on this roster, and, and I'm excited to hear what you guys got. Uh, Ross, why don't, you, uh, why don't you lead off on the Preds? Termite colony of the second half of the NHL year. I mean, they sold yeah. everything off. They had all these young guys, and they just freaking battled. Everyone showed up every game like it was their last game in the NHL. Which it might have been. Um, And and so, you know, you you look at the roster now. They've got $4.5 of cap money that's dead on Kyle Turris and Matt Duchesne buyouts. That's taking a little bit of a toll. Um, And, you you know, you you look at this lineup, and I'm not going to lie, you know, to our our listeners. I went through this whole lineup. A lot of these lines I kind of spell out with the numbers, right? I think two numbers on this team I know by name which is Forsberg and O'Reilly. Like, everyone else, I spelled things out. Like, I, I don't oh, know 59. the – You'll see. Of yeah. course. Of course, the man rocket. But, like, I, th- th- this is kind of a – you know, the old uh, – what do they call it? The no-name defense uh, back in the day. Maybe the Minnesota Vikings, they were called the no-name defense. Or maybe it was the Dolphins, one of the 70s football years. But, like, this is a no-name roster. Luke Evangelista came out of nowhere, played really well down the stretch. He's a young kid trying to prove it. Thomas Novak, kind of same boat, plays center ice. Dennis Gurionov, we talked about my my underperforming gutless Russian for your underperforming gutless Russian, that trade deadline move. That's what he is. Gurionov could score 30 goals in a year. He could do it. 
I don't like his chances. You look at the rest of this thing, right? Tomasino, scrappy guy, can score 20. Parsonen, I've never heard of him. Cody Glass, high draft pick. Um, I like the fourth line. Kiefer Sherwood is a termite to keep to keep your eyes on. Same with Jakob Trennan. Trennan had some of the best faceoff stats in the entire NHL last year. Um, they've got I, I you know they've got a lot of guys that do a lot of things well. And we talked about the Carolina Hurricanes under. <laughs> We're now calling him Rob. We were robbed. Uh, Rob the Bod, Brindamore, right? We talked about the Canes kind of being a little bit of a college football atmosphere. I feel like Nashville's got a little bit of a college football atmosphere under GM Barry Trotz, where it's like these are all kids, and it's all kind of prove it, and like nobody's bigger than the sign on the front or the seal in the middle of the locker room. Um, on D, you know, there's some great players there. Obviously, Yossi's a, an all-world um, Shen's really revitalized his career. Shout out to Adam Oates. Um, I think he took some coaching from Oates and, and really extended his career, fetching pucks and making the first pass. McDonough we love, but he's over the hill. Tyson Berry we bash on. Tyson's scary, but when Berry plays well, he can do a lot of things up and down. Uh, he's mm-hmm. still not over the hill athletically or by age. Fabro. Fabro is supposed to be a top four D man. So it's like there's depth on D. They've got Saros and net. Those are really good pieces to keep the puck out of your net. And when the team's grinding, they can grind. So you look at all of that. And if it's a stand pat team and this roster doesn't change and they don't sell and people stay healthy, this is a team that's going to be nipping at the buds of the playoffs. That's going to be a young, tough team to eliminate, but they're not serious contenders. No, no, I'm not. And that, that's okay. Honestly, look, I know that that's probably not what Fred fans want to hear. Uh, but looking at this roster, knowing what kind of happened last year, a few additions, obviously, but uh, they sold at the deadline and they, they missed out. They made a run. They made a gutsy run at the end and missed out from the playoffs by three points. And what that tells me is, all right, well, we did a little addition. We did a little bit of, of, of changing some things around. We let some people go. All right, well, the expectations is, all right, yeah, we're not going to win a cup, but all right, let's see if we can get these young guys um, a solidified in the sense of uh, evangelista and and some of these other guys, but uh, get them some experience. Let them hunt in the dog days of the year and and see what potentially happens with a a little less expectation on this Nashville Predators roster. Yeah, I mean, you guys kind of said it. It'll be fun to watch, you know. Well, I guess it, it could yeah. be fun to watch. <laughs> It, it, I mean, it could be fun to watch because you have a lot of guys breaking through, and they were kind of, they were a big story when they were making a playoff push, and they legitimately did last year. Like they they were close to the playoffs, three points out of the playoffs, um, could have cracked it. You know, it's hard to imagine. I think that- I, I think I had a steaming take about that about, about them about them about them making the playoffs with about like ten games to go. I mean, they look like they were. They look like they were. It will be interesting to see what happens this year. It's a termite colony, and they've they've they might have the best goalie in the division. That's uh, true. Saros is a true Vesna candidate, so I think that's what it takes, right? Mm. And I think if it doesn't go right, they do have kind of like are Yossi and Forsberg there for the next generation of Preds? They don't necessarily need to be, and they would be pretty huge assets at the deadline. That's that's yeah. I doubt it. I, I hear you. I don't think too Yossi, big to Yossi is no, not No, but they're movable. they're con- they're, they're, they're under contract. So and they're too that, big. That's why it's a blocker. It's just it's not a real thing. They're off season trade candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it'll be a fun team to watch. Yossi right. Saros is sick. Who's up for factors? We got to roll, boys. Um, I'm in the third spot. You're in the first. Spot. Well, you went first, so um, I'm gonna take. I am gonna take. Cody Glass, um, a guy who was a high draft pick in Vegas, came in, barely made the team last year, 
signed a two-year, $2.5 million ticket. So obviously they like what they're seeing in terms of what he brought to the table. Uh, If he could pass Cody Glass, if he could pass Thomas Novak for the second-line center role, I think they're seeing development in the right step. Um, and a uh, hopeful future piece to the Nashville core. reason I disagree is I think Novak has a higher ceiling than Glass. I think Glass is more of a checker. I think Novak's more of a scorer. But my X factor is going to be Tyson Berry, a guy that we're very up and down on in the pod. I think he's very up and down on in his career. Sneak, like sneak attack, when Tyson Berry brings it, and Tyson Berry's playing his best game and skating very well and scoring and like being responsible defensively and closing gaps and using his excellent ability – He's a sneaky, like, epic, like, number four D. So yeah. I think Barry has huge upside to help both on the power play. Well, I guess USC is going to take care of that, so he won't do much power play. But he can help on offense and defense, and I think uh, Tyson Barry is my X factor. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and Tyson Barry's just got skill not many defensemen have. I'm going to go Luke Evangelista. Broke the lineup last year, as Ross said, played well. Former second-round pick, 2020, so – there's there's more to be had there, so uh, yeah, I, I I think he's got potential. Let's see what happens. I like it. I like it. That's the Nashville Predators. Moving on to the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues, after a 37, 38, and seven year for 81 points, missing the playoffs as well. They added. They added Kevin Hayes through a free agent move. After was he bought out or was that just a? I think he no, was, was a, bought. Oh, was it a trade? No, he was traded there. You're right. He was. I traded think it was there. a trade. Um, and they brought in Kasperi Kepinen as well with uh, Oscar Sundquist to line up the fourth line. Uh, this Blues team, this Blues team, they named Braden Shen their their captain. Um, obviously, after losing O'Reilly at the deadline, the role was needed to be filled. This team is uh, it's interesting. You know, you you look at the top six forwards in in Kairou Thomas. Buchnevich, 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 Buchnevich. Thank you. Uh, which is a solid, solid-ish first line. I, you know, Cairo and, and Buchnevich bring scoring. I, you know, Robert Thomas has kind of been a, a guy that St. Louis has been high on for a long time, and they're hopeful that he steps into that that first line center role, followed by Brandon Saad, Braden Shen, and Kasperi Kapanen uh, to be there. Uh, second line. Kevin Hayes slides in as a third line center. I think a pretty reasonable role to bring in for the guy as, after kind of a a long year with Torts and, and his uh, his exit from Philadelphia. And, and then you bring in, obviously, the sizable Oscar Sundquist to line up the center role position for the Blues. Dealey pairing Colin, uh, Colton Pranko and, and Nick Letty are potential line mates. And, and Tori Krug is an interesting storyline. It, it felt like Krug was on the out. I believe he turned down uh, a few trades because of a no-movement clause, um, potentially to Philadelphia as well. He, he said, no, I'm not getting sent to Tortsland. It's not happening. He will be paired with potentially Justin Falk and then Robert Bortuzzo and Scott. What is that? Perunovic. Thank Perunovic, you yep. Boys, yep. Big college guy, uh, kind of a power play one. He's, he's kind of Tory Krug-like. Boys, this is a team that's gone through. It's not necessarily a rebuild. It's a retool. It is what you could kind of say for this Blues team. And, and they're stepping into that territory. All right, well, can this team kind of find their relevancy back in the Central Division? Can they step back into it? Or is a rebuild what's necessary in, in St. Louis? Um, who, wants, uh, who wants the Blues next? Rusty's ready to rock and roll here. So I believe I picked the Blues when in our slap bet, right? Yeah, against against the Jets. Blues Jets. I still think this bet needs to happen today. So, no, well, I, hey, I'm ready for it anytime, anywhere. Um, so the St. Louis Blues this season to me are a huge 
we talk about X factors, right? They're a huge high ceiling, low seller. And like, if they screw up and suck, people are gonna get fired. Like, like that's just a fact. And I think they've got potential to be in the running, to be a one, two, three team in the central. Um, I think wild cards in the conversation. I also, I also could see them having a, having a very, having, having a very bad year. Um, there's, you know, you, you look in net for them and, you know, it's what it's, it's Bennington and then what, and, you know, goaltending is a huge barometer on how bad you can possibly be. Like if you have great goaltending, the worst you can be is like handful of points out of the playoffs. If you have a disaster in net, like it's, it'll take a real hard effort to get into the wild card mix. Um, so, you know, you look at this whole team, top skill. I think the top line is an average top line. Um, you go down the middle. I love Braden Shen. I think it was an obvious pick for captain. Uh, Kevin Hayes comes in in a great role for him. Uh, he gets the buyout. He's on an affordable deal. Buyout. I guess that's what it was. And he's coming into like I think he's cast in the right role for this Blues team. I yeah you know, he's coming. You know, he's got a little bit year separated right for some difficult off ice stuff. Um, and he's playing with you know a, a couple guys on his wings with really high upside and really low downside. Um, I love this Jake Neighbors, the high draft pick, absolute yeah. termite. I think he got some termite nods last week, uh, last year. Um, and this Torpchenko, who's he's looks like he's right off of that. Uh, who's Elmer? Who's Elmer on the uh, on the Red Wings? Silverblom. He, he is he six eight. Torpchenko's six six. So he's put not the puck he, between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not quite he's not quite Elmer, but he's like in that ballpark. Um and you know, the decor is is really strong. You mentioned Perunovic and like that's what is being thrown at us by Daily Faceoff, but I really think that that whole bottom I think the top four are pretty set, but I think that bottom pairing, there's Callie Rosen and uh, Marco Scandella. Uh Scandella's trying to be healthy for the first time in a long time. That's gonna really impact what their top six looks like. I think if they're healthy and good and competitive, Scandella's in that top six in a certain spot. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a solid team. There are just a lot of question marks throughout. So you know, I look at this team as I could see them finishing second or third in the Central. I, I could see that. Like that wouldn't shock me. I could see them finishing you know sixth or seventh in the Central too. Well, and that's like we just talked about with with Nashville and, and Alex. I'll let you. I know you're chomping at the bit. Uh, Nashville, a team that's it's rebuilding and or, well, seeing what's different about it and. And the expectations are much lower versus where this this St. Louis team has, and and I think heads will roll if this team does flop again for another consecutive year. But Alex, what do you got on the Blues? I mean, I don't think heads should roll if this team flops. I get why they might, but there's there's total flop potential here. Uh, there just is. Yeah, but I, Army, Army, you, you win, you win it, you win a Stanley Cup in 2019. I get it, I get it. And then it's it. been downhill 20, downhill 21, downhill 22. Now we're in 23. Yeah. No, I get it. But we're also looking at a pretty drastic roster difference here. Um, that being said, I love this first line. It's not an elite first line, but Buchnevich, Thomas, and Kairou. I'm, I'm high on Kairou. I think he's shown he knows how to puck, put the puck in the net and just be a scoring winger um, at a pretty high tier. Don't love Kairou's 200-foot game. Yeah, that's fine. I, 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 like, I, I think there's space, a lot of space in the NHL for elite scorers who don't have a 200-foot game. Maybe a hot take. I think Kairou is like – Two tiers above uh, Athanasio. That's interesting. Say it again. I think I think Kairou is like two years. is two tiers ahead of Athanasio. I mean, as far as as far players. as outrageous talent and offense, but like like on the flip side, it's like this guy could score forty goals, and like this guy, 
it might not be an NHL. The difference is like he he has scored a lot of goals and put up a lot of points, and Athens he has not. So it is a pretty big difference. <laughs> when we were talking about that, but you know, uh, uh, in arm in arm. In fairness, I did not say a tier. I said two tiers below. But two right? pretty big two tiers. T- <laughs> Okay, fair, I mean, fair, like, Athenasiu is awful. Uh, we're going, we'll we're going back to, to that Kachuk scale, right? We'll Kyrie's a 10, Athenasiu is like a 5. We're going to get to Athenasiu, don't worry. But guy got a shout-out just because he's got one of the best shots in the league, and I truly believe it. And I love that he's played with Kevin Hayes. Jakob Verana, he's had off-ice issues. He's had staying healthy issues. But he's got a dynamite shot. And I think with Kevin Hayes, a pretty – like I, I, I would say close to an elite passer, or at least like a really good passer – um, that could be a, like it's just a good buy low line. Really. Seems like a Drew and Case with maybe a little less talent surrounded. But he him. can shoot. Like he's proven he can shoot the puck. Like like he's got an uh, like an actually elite shot in the NHL. But to Jack's point, between the years, he has not proven he can show up for eighty two games a year. One hundred percent. He has proven, unlike Drew, and he can score at a high rate, and he has scored at right. a high rate. Like he, his goals per game is great. I actually kind of like sneak. I I, I think it's. A great second line pairing, but Letty Pareko, I kind of like. Letty's just been like I think Letty's got a steady very, Letty. He's got an steady underrated Letty, career. babe. Like steady, consistent, long. Like it's more than steady Letty, even though it's a good name for him. Nick Letty's a really good player. Pareko, I don't know what his deal is. Like he looked like so good when he came up. He's he's, he's on paid. a lot of people's list of like one of the worst contracts. I know because he looked amazing. Well, it's get, when he it's came getting up. there. I mean, when they won the cup, he was he was phenomenal. He was solid, but there was Petrangelo to be Batman. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's that's and like Pareko's so far from a Batman. It's he like, like can he be a Robin? Is the question now? He looked like he would be a Batman. Looked he's like just he like could he, be. Yeah, like he, he's gonna look like he has so much potential forever. The Alaska product. Um, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. And then Krug and Falk, I don't mind as a second pairing. It's not good, but like for this level of team, right, where we're talking mm-hmm. the upside is I, like a t- yeah. I, I think I think Falk and Krug's a fine second pairing, right? Fine, yeah. I I think they're I, I do think their upside is three in this division, just because I think either I, I think the stars are going to be good, and I think the Wild are probably going to be good. And the Avs, the Avs are they're not going to finish. No, but it's wide it's wide open between those you know between the three. They got to beat like, Minnesota if they're yes. going to be three. Yes, right. but I think I think, so, I think but Dallas. I think Dallas. Before we get to yeah. predictions, let's, you're right. You're right. We'll, we'll Jack, get I'm there. Sorry, sorry. We'll get there. Factors. X factors. X factors. X factors. Alex, you are on the clock. Yeah, I'm just going to send him my guy, Jakob Vrana. If they get 82 out of him, I think he scores over 30. And hot. That's a Lavisca. That's that a Lavisca. I mean, the numbers would say it's not a. LaVisca. No, no. Book it down. That's a Lavisca. If he plays, I, I'll tell you this. If he plays 75 games, he scores 30. All right. All right, 75, 30. There's a couple dinged-up games, sure, whatever. If he plays 75, I think he's got 30 goals. There's your LaVisca take. Uh, I like it, I like it, I like it. Uh, Ross, go ahead. <sighs> well, the arm dog just cut my legs out from under me. Um, so I guess I'm going to go with Colton Pareko. Like, is Pareko going to unfuck himself and make you know make himself like obvious to the league that he's worth his contract, or is he going to be – like in like it's it's a big thing for the Blues, not just in their win loss points total. It's also a big thing for their roster building total. Yeah. So you know, like if he's really good, then great. You know, he's on a good contract now. He's earning his money, and now he's part of the core. If he's not good, or if the team sucks, like either way, does the league look at him as a contract that you need to add draft picks to get rid of, or do they look at him as a you know, coveted asset that they need that other teams need to give up assets to get right. So yeah. that's a big thing for it, and that's why I'm going Colton Pareko. What's his number at right now? Like eight? 
<sighs> shit, I should have written this down. I want to say it's six and a half. Yeah, I think that's okay. So he right. could he could reasonably do that though. That's right, but it's he's not playing, like, he's playing right now like a five million dollar defenseman. Yeah, but six and a half is a reasonable upside for him to reach. I think. Agree. Oh boy. Yeah, he's making eight. <laughs> making eight. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, that's. You're gonna too say much. six and a half doesn't sound too bad for him. Yeah, yeah, eight is uh, eight's too much for him. Uh, wait. Oh no. Oh no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misread that. I misread that. That was like real money. His cap hit is six and a half, but he's under contract through 2030. <laughs> okay, but I think six and a half is a reasonable yeah. thing. Like, I think he can be an eight player. All right. No, I'm sorry for that correction uh, to our termite listeners and in the audience. Yeah, six and a half is his cap hit. And, yeah, I mean, like, again, I, I think it's attainable, right? It's attainable. Totally. But if he keeps playing as a four-million-dollar defenseman, that's a problem. I think he can play like an eight-million-dollar defenseman. Like, I think he can be a lot better than Darnell Nurse. I disagree. But that's uh, that's the contract into your head there. But you don't think Pareko can be better than Nurse? I, I like Nurse. Okay. All right. Well, I think we'll- Nurse is like a legit top-four defenseman. I don't know, like in Pareko, like I think, oh, I think Pareko's a top one. I, I'd rather I Pare- do, I'd I, take Pareko. I just, I think Contracts aside, I'd take Pareko over Nurse in a heartbeat. I would not. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Might, might, be, be, might be the premise of our next slot, but. I don't uh. know how we judge that. <laughs> to, <laughs> just be watch them, to be determined. Watch every one of their games. Or maybe the ACV of their next, like, fair contract. Yeah, if they if they they're if next they, like free, again twenty thirty. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. So we'll uh, take it off here. Sammy Play uh, came over from New York midseason, yeah. actually put up his career high in terms of points after after being brought back into St. Louis. Right, uh, so Blay's another boomerang, right? Blay Sunquist. Kind of these guys just keep coming. It, it, they going come back. They go back come back. Louis, yep. eh? So uh, Sammy Blay, uh, like I said, you know, he, they uh, New York was. Taking a bit of a flyer, hopeful that uh, he would stick in terms of in in New York, but uh, that didn't end up happening. Um, and so he's back in in St. Louis, and uh, hopeful that he can make and play a full eighty two without uh, seeing himself on the sidelines. What's his game? I know his name. What's his game? Like, are you hoping he scores? Hard, no, hard hard checking third liner. He's a, he's, he's like, the his, guy who's going to do the dirty work. On his ceiling line. is a termite. His ceiling's like his ceiling's like like eighteen goals, twenty five assists. That's like a great season for him. Um, I think realistically, you're looking for somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 30 to forty points out of him. Because okay. he's playing on a scoring line this year. If, if he truly is playing with Kevin Hayes and Veronica. I think he's there to do the dirty work. But he's a high pick and he's got skill and he, he can body check. He's a good skater. I just I, I think thirty points is a good. I think 30, 30 plus points is a good year for him. Oh, that would be a career year, like I said. Uh, moving on, moving on to our final two teams of the night of the Central Division. The Arizona Coyotes, uh, you know, obviously after year one in the Mullet Arena in the college rink, um, there's a little bit of a vibe surrounding Dude, it's huge. this Arizona Coyotes team. After a 28-40 and 14 season for 70 points, the Logan Cooley show has arrived. We saw it uh, as he scored, I think, one of the, the prettier goals as, uh, who was it, I think Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz, who's seen his time in the NHL, hasn't he? Um as he was quoted on saying, one of the coolest goals he's seen in in his time, and, and it was an impressive finish and an impressive showing from from Logan Cooley, the uh, the Minnesota grad or Minnesota graduate in terms of his, their hockey program into the NHL. Uh, free agency wise, they brought in. Did he have enough credits at Minnesota? No, 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 I'm just saying, like he went from. He, I know he did. What did he major in? <laughs> 
Oh, another another acquisition for this for for excuse me for this uh, Arizona team: Matthew Dumba, Sean Dursey, uh, Troy Stretcher, Jake McCain, uh, McBain, Travis Boy, uh, Alexander Kerfoot, and Jason Zucker from Pittsburgh come in to uh, kind of line up this uh, this Arizona team. I know Nick Bush uh, Bukestad. Bukestad. Nick Borscht, Moscow, Russia. Nick Borscht. No, Bukestad. Bukestad. Um, after a, a journey on other teams, another guy who seemingly has been everywhere. I think he's back he's in Arizona. Back. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's an interesting roster. It's a team that you're kind of seeing the youth be uh, come into to fruition, and, and finally, after years and years of seemingly stashing Clayton Keller away in Arizona. You're hopeful to finally see this Arizona team take the next step, and and truthfully, I will go on record and say this is the vibe team of the Central Division, um, and and I uh, I'm I'm curious to see what steps this team can make, uh, but boys, 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 the Yotes, the Yotes, the Yotes, Alex, take it away. Yeah, so I first off, love the pick of vibe team of the Central Division. I'm totally on board. I was on board last year, and Sif, we talked about this. Ross was a little bit, you know, sipping on that haterade a little bit. I think he's going to be become aware this year. To start, Clayton Keller, Barrett Hayden, Nick Schmaltz was a great line last year. It like actually produced at a very high, borderline elite level. I don't think people realize how good they were together last year. Then you add in Dumba and Dursey on the back line. I think those are just two right-handed shots that you don't find. Like those are those are hard pieces to come by. If you want a little context of like how hard it is to get right-handed defensemen, look at what Philip Hronik demanded at the trade deadline. Not to bring that like just not, ask Ryan Reeves. Just ask Ryan Reeves. This was after the Reeves hit. Heronic still commanded a first, second, and a third, right? Highway robbery. Highway robbery, but that's what the pre- there's not many right handed defensemen for whatever reason. Then you add in obviously the star of the show, Logan Cooley. Logan Cooley is right handed defenseman over here. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Elite. Russ, you could you could probably command a fourth. Um <laughs> But you add in Logan Cooley, and Logan Cooley's addition to this this Calder race is it's going to be one of the best ever. I, I think it like preseason it is the best ever. It's the best ever what, dude? Calder, Calder race. race. I, I think Logan, Logan Cooley, Fantilli, and Bedard. Yeah. Okay. I, I think preseason this it's, isn't it's, a, it's just a race Ross hasn't been that uh, into because the Bruins. I, no, really. I get it. I just think like in terms of three players who are expected to be. Yeah. No, I I'm with you. I'm on your train. No, when you say best ever, I just want you to clarify. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Get it. Cooley, Fantilli, and Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. And potentially Leo Carlson. I don't know what his deal is there. We'll talk about the uh, yeah. the Pacific. Um, there. But I, I like Logan Cooley should add juice to this second line. I I don't like Zucker is going to be. I, I think it's good to add a veteran in there. You know. Yes, I agree. Um, with that. Dylan Gunther. I don't know too much about. I, I wonder if Lawson Krause will go up. Lawson Krause had some good games last year, and I I kind of like Lawson Krause's game. So I, I I wish they would put him there, and they might. You know, this is I'm just a huge Lawson Krause guy. Yeah, Lawson Krause is pretty solid, right? So I, I just like I, – I don't think the defensively going to be great. Yuso Valamaki I really like on this D-line. Good uh, he blocked shots. He, he he was running the power play last year. It'll be interesting to see if he does this year. I I, I don't see why not, really. Um, but I just think there's some, there's some skill on this team. There's some excitement on this team. I don't think, like – Full round, they're going to be great. Like I think there's going to be a lot of high scoring games in here, but this is the most excited I've been about the Yotes for a long time. Oh, I mean, and, and are they bringing these jerseys back? Like are these the jerseys this year? <laughs> we are using daily daily face off for our lineup combos, and and they've got the uh, the old what's the 
the yoke. Look, I don't know. No, I can't remember what the. It, it's got a name, but I can't remember. I it. think they might have used. Um, too. No, it, it's it like we we like we've been saying. It, it's an interesting team, and it it, it seemingly see, you're starting to see the steps that uh, Arizona as a whole has been waiting to see after taking you know seemingly all. all um, IR contracts and, and contracts that they're just stashing away into long-term IR, you're finally starting to see a result with Arizona, and that's where p- things can be hopeful. And, you know, yes, is this a, a third or fourth-place team in this division? Uh, maybe. For the first time in a long time, maybe. You know, and that that is what's fun to watch about this. You know, I think um, it, it will be exciting. I, I don't know a whole lot about what the goaltending situation is in Arizona. Goalie. What's his name? Um, Vimelka. Vimelka. Vimelka is Vimelka. good. Yeah, they're they're hopeful. Vimelka sounds like a venereal disease. But Vimelka, <laughs> careful over there. <laughs> Vimelka had some good games last year. He was relied upon because his defense was awful. But Vimelka had some really like high save count games, you know. And uh, yeah, there's just young excitement around this roster. I'm I'm hyped to watch this team play. There's there's a lot that's actually fun to watch on this team. Mm-hmm. So Jack just stole the LaVisca that I got. We, we talk about saving for the pod, and we all have our own kind of text threads with buddies around. But I need to give a shout-out to my buddy, you know, Uncle Gunner, who chimed in about this Arizona team. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if they come in third in the Central. Jack just said he wouldn't be surprised either. So now I'm, I'm looping Jack in with my boy, Uncle Gunner. But I, I look at this team, I'm not going to lie to you, and I just don't see it. I, like, may, maybe Vimelka is sick. Like, maybe that's a thing. Um, there's a lot Like there's a lot to like. Like, Keller, full-blown all-star stud. Hayton has it all. He's young. Let's see how he develops. Schmaltz, I think Schmaltz is kind of like a fucking high-end Evan Rodriguez. Um, I think Cooley could be very legit. We'll see how he develops. Zucker, you're going to get what you're going to get. Veteran. Dylan Gunther, you mentioned you didn't high draft pick. Younger guy, right? Yeah, yeah. High draft pick, young developing player. I think Gunther's a, a, a key guy to watch. This Matthias Michelli, I gotta tell you, I ended up watching a little bit of these guys uh last year. I don't know how or why or for what reason, probably just late night. But this Michelli, you know, he's got a Zuccarilla vibe to him. Um, the way that he played, he has next level vision on his passing and the way that he enters the zone with the puck, finds time. He finds time, right? He finds time and space, and he's an absolute distributor. And I saw some really exciting things from this Matthias Michelli that were, like, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Because he's tiny. He is tiny. And he's another guy that you can totally uh, evaluate his impact on the game based on goals and assists because he's not doing much other than that. Um, But, uh, you know, I see talent there. Bukestad, you know, he's a checker at this point in his career. We know what he is. Kraus, I love Kraus. I think Kraus is uh, – I think Kraus and Tanner Janot are kind of like tit and tat. Like they're the same kind of player. It'll be interesting to see – excuse me. Thank you, Polisek. It'll be interesting to see who between Kraus and, um, and Janot – has a better career over the next six, seven years because they're both younger guys. Uh, but Kraus is a guy that I've, I've coveted for a long time. Kerfoot's just a guy. McBain's just a guy. Boyd, who the hell is he? On defense, you know, they, bring in, for a while. they bring in Dumba. Dumba can play. I like Dumba. Moser's a cake eater. I don't like him. I don't like <laughs> his game. Dursey, I really liked him in L.A. And then between Troy, in Jack Siff's words, Troy Stretcher, 
Troy might put himself on the stretcher the way that he plays. That guy is just not good, and he, he's got very low awareness fetching pucks out of his corner. I don't like Troy Stetcher. I like calling him Troy Stretcher, although I will be eating my words if he actually is on a stretcher. We want all our players to be correct, healthy, correct, correct. as mentioned and, and emphasized. You, no, I, I sincerely mean that. We we kid and we joke and you know play on words or play on words, but we don't want anybody on stretchers. Correct. But – Again, I meant that. Um, and and Josh, Josh, who the hell is Josh Brown? Nobody knows who Josh Brown is. Um, Vimelka, maybe he's epic, and you know maybe they end up being third in the division. I just, I don't see it. X factor. <laughs> so now I'm up for X factor. All right, my X factor for these guys is going to be Dylan Gunther. Maybe, uh, maybe Dylan Gunther. Um, Bust through and uh, has kind of a breakout young player year. I think that would amount to. Over 15 goals and over 40 points. I think that would be a breakout year for Gunther, and I think that would kind of balance the lineup. Um, but again, I just don't see it. But that's me. I'm going to go here with uh, Matt Dumba. I like Matt Dumba's game a lot. He's playing a different role this year. He has been behind Spurgeon, he's been playing kind of that second line, you know play well second line which he's been I, I think great at I, I'm a big Matt Dumba guy what's I, I, I think he's the leader of this decor right now mm-hmm. not necessarily the best but he's the leader of this decor what's he going to do how does he play a team that's looking for a defensive identity that they don't have if he plays well and I, I, I do think he still has upside in this role I think it changes a lot for this team. If they're a playoff team, like Matt Dumba's like a King Clancy a, Award nominee. He's going to have a great year. Because it'll take that kind of a fucking moment. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not kidding. But, like, that's what I got for you. Like, I, I, lo- I, lo- I, love, the, I love the X-Factor pick, but it's like he, he's going to be in the running for the King Clancy trophy for leadership. I, I get it. You also – I don't think you understand how good this first line is. I don't think you've seen the light yet. Logan Cooley and the Vibes. And the vibes is a big one. But, Jack says Cooley, but Cooley. I, I, you know, right, I think the right. talent showed in in Minnesota. I think they're really excited about him. And uh, just so you guys know, just so you guys, know, this they they recorded seventy points as a team last year. Making the playoffs would require at least a, a twenty five point, point upgrade. Correct. correct. Yeah. Okay, I just want you to be clear. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, okay. I think they have a chance math. for that. And they're playing in a fucking. I just have one question about the, the Logan Cooley. Like, what what's the downside on Logan Cooley points here? Ooh. Uh, I think the upside. I think upside sixty seventy. I think the upside's like eighty nine. Uh, that, that's a lot, isn't it? Nineties. I mean, that's he'd a lot. win the he'd win the Calder. He would 90. win the Calder at ninety. I think, I think fi- high fifties, high fifties. I, I mean, I, I think I think the low I think the low side is is he's going to get top power play. He's so going he, to. I think the low side's going to be in the forties. I think the high side's in the sixties. If he puts up forty, we're talking about him as a bust. I think. No, you no, can't say no, bust no, after no, one no, year. No, you no. can't, but people will be talking about that. <laughs> yeah, that that ruthless Arizona uh, Phoenix area uh, media. Well, they just had to wait it out. Oh my God! Speaking of ruthless, uh, moving. I, hey, 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 hey! I'm excited about this one. All right, you know, I, it, it's not often I get to be excited about Chicago sports right now, but I finally get to for for the sole reason of Connor Bedard. But we're moving on to the final team in the Central Division. Oh, last year. Yeah, you want to grab me one, too, since you stole it right off my finger? No, there's only one left. I'll bring two glasses. I will shoot you. Moving on to the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, it's an interesting turnover after, uh, you know, finally seeing the departures of, of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze out the door. Taze actually, you know, leaving after the regular season. Uh, Taze, or Kane being the trade deadline uh, 
move that the Hawks made last year. Um, what did this Hawks team do? They they brought in some interesting figures. They spent a little money. You know, they, the fact is this team has a lot of money to spend. I think they're waiting um, a to see what the cap is doing and and waiting for another uh, talented free agent market if if these guys that are still remaining get there. But we'll see after you know Matthews and some of these others signing. We may not have as an exciting free agent period as we thought. But what did the Hawks do? They went and they landed the lottery pick. They landed the lottery pick, and I say that as a luck. Luck. So any of you that think that there was any, uh, any uh, you know, fixing of the lottery, that wasn't the case. And the Hawks landed Connor Bedard, the future talent, the future prospect. He is in Chicago. Go shut the door, please. Uh, with Connor Bedard, we're looking at potentially after uh, a big trade, well, money trade for, for Boston. They brought in Taylor Hall to be his line mate with Tyler Johnson. Um, followed by Lucas Reichel, a guy from Germany who they've uh, their first round pick from a few years ago that saw some time in in the show last year. They're hopeful that he finally takes a full year of development in '82 into the NHL, um, and he will be t- paired up with uh, your favorite Anthony Sio and Philip Kurashev. Followed by winning players. Followed by that, they've brought in Ryan Donato to pair up with Cole Gutman, a Denver grad, and and Taylor Radish brought over from. The Hagel trade with uh, finishing off with a fourth liner of Corey Perry, Jay, Jason Dickinson, and Nick Foligno. You look at this. You look at the Chicago team, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I, I went right down. I went right down the roster, and I just put an asterisk on everybody that's on an expiring contract. You have uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, he's gonna be UFA end of the year. Uh, Nick Fligger Foligno. He's on the fourth line. He's on an expiring contract. Also got a bag. Um, Dickinson expiring contract. Corey Perry, expiring contract. Guy that's not shown, Colin Blackwell, another fourth liner, expiring contract. Jared Tenorti, expiring contract. Uh, Zaitsev, expiring contract. So I look at all of those guys and I think about what their trade deadline value will be um, because Tyler Johnson, he could jump into any team's middle six and be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Foligno, jump into any team's bottom six and be an upgrade. Dickinson can win faceoffs. He can skate well. I, I, love, I love this quote-unquote fourth line. I think it's like maybe the second-best line on this team. Um, you know, Dickinson's shown things. I mean, he, he had a good playoff run with Dallas back around the COVID times. And they've got Worm Corey Perry, who, I mean, who wouldn't want to add Corey Perry mm-hmm. to their fourth line and yep. second power play unit come playoffs? And Blackwell's a, just a depth forward guy. Then on D, it's like Zaitsev <laughs> – I mean, I, I think he, I think he's the kind of guy you bring onto your team at a four million dollar cap hit when you want a tank. Um, Correct. But you know, if if it, like under the right circumstances and and you you move the money the right way, like he could be a valid deadline guy for a sixth, seventh defenseman. And same goes for Jared Tenorti. Tenorti, I, I really like Tenorti, like as a person. But Took like, a puck off the face, came right back. Oh, my Balls God. Balls of steel. Absolute tough as nails guy. Second-generation NHLer. His dad was also a fighter. He can chuck him. He's a big hoss. He plays hard. He works hard. He's tough as freaking nails. Um, I love Jared Tenorti, but the bottom line is, if he's in your top six, you are not even close to being an NHL team. Um, so, you know, again, 
I, I just I I look at this team and it's like uh, it's like a vulture circling well, in the desert over over a, over a rotting corpse. And I hear and I'm you. thinking about what you. pieces could be picked off. I hear of you. It. I want to cut you off because you know the the expectations with this team is we've known it's been a rebuild. We've seen it like I like I hinted at with the the studs that that are not the studs but the stars of uh, of the past at this point with Kane and Taze are finally gone. The era of Taze and Kane is finally over. That took we're talking. Ten years from basically our last Stanley, no, eight years from our last final. That took a long time to get over, and that's something you know. As you talked about with the pressure of St. Louis and what what is is St. Louis going to turn into the next Chicago in terms of what they need and what has to happen for that team to rebuild? Um, I think that's where you're saying the pressure is falling in terms of the top heads of of St. Louis. This is a prospect team. Watch. Uh, I've joined the boat of, of Alex as the prospect guy, and that, that's the reality of it because the this team is is finally uh, shown that. They are rebuilding. They are they're ready to take that step. They're ready. You know they've been sucking for the last few years. It's going to be another year or two of suckage, but the pipeline is coming. The pipeline is 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 semi here, and they're they're expecting you know Wyatt Kaiser, a guy who was in and out of the lineup and a prospect for the last few years. They're expecting him to make the roster. Kevin Trzinski, uh, their first rounder from last year, uh, they're hopeful that he steps into to this NHL roster and is ready. He had a decent development camp, but there has been you know the rookie moments that that have been shaky. They're hopeful he steps in. If he doesn't, he is uh, a little bit of a rock and a hard place because they don't feel like his game suits the AHL. So you would expect him to go back to juniors for another year. You've got guys, uh, Nazer in Michigan. You've got uh, some talent coming. You've got, um, and then Oliver Moore and so on, Nolan Allen. Um, the time will be there. I don't, you know, yes, it, it's not a roster that we're looking at to be competitive this year. Uh, you know, yes, they have the worst deal in my opinion in the NHL with Seth Jones on that blue line for nine and a half million year or nine and a half million dollars or whatever it is. Uh, but the Hawks are coming. The Hawks not as are, bad as the contract is Darnell Nurse. You're gonna say that? Oh, I think it's a pretty no. Gu- I, gun to the head, Darnell Nurse or Darnell Nurse or Seth Jones for nine and a half. I would take Darnell Nurse. I probably would too. I would actually take Darnell. Depends Nurse. on who else you have on your team, though. <sighs> It's, Neither one's worth it, but Jones is a much better player. Much and, better, and much better record, ceiling. Nurse, much better ceiling. N- nurse is nine two five, and Jones is nine and a half. So it's not apples. I think to apples, Seth, I think Seth Jones is closer to nine and a half. I think Darnell Nurse is a better player. I think you get more. Those are different things, by the way. I think so. When I so the, my my thing with Seth Jones is it's not about the NHL because his contract is his contract sucks. He's never going to be a nine and a half million dollar player in today's league. Like his skills don't the skills. In the NHL, have just exceeded his ceiling, but when you look at uh, USA Team USA Olympic rosters for the next best on best tournament, he, he's there. He has so much value being a sixth defenseman on that team or being a fourth defenseman on that Correct. team. When he's got a Wierenski to play with him, when he's got an Adam Fox to play with him, Correct. when he's got you know a Quinn Hughes to play with him. So like uh, that's where I'm lost because Darnell Nurse does not belong on the Canadian Olympic. Well, team. and that's where I'm, I'm kind of on. You know, Seth Jones decors, but, yeah. signed the deal in Chicago, and it was you know obviously after the trade uh, that brought him to Chicago with Boquist. But he kind of got screwed by you know what has happened and transpired with this roster, and unfortunately that landed him with a ton. Well, fortunately for him, he's got a ton of money in the bank account. Unfortunate enough for him, he's got a shitty roster. But also, in front like of him. I, I think his contract could look a lot better with uh, like a new look team. Um, I talking think Seth he, Jones here. Seth Jones. I think he has like well in it, two years. Him with uh, Ethan Del Mastro. Him with Nolan Allen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> him with Torzinski, who we're seeing for the first time potentially. Korczynski. If, if Korczynski takes, if Korczynski takes that step as the top defenseman, as they hope, as they drafted him to be, you have Seth Jones and Korczynski for the next ten years. I know, and I think Seth Jones, like I, I don't think he has quite this upside, but like, look at Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton had a valuable year. Correct. And I, I think Seth Jones has that, like, on a good team, could be not Dougie Hamilton. They have a different game, but, like, he can be closer to that value. Mm-hmm. I think the story here, though, and why you watch the Hawks is obviously Bedard. You say you become a prospect guy. You have Bedard in the league, dude. This is very different than me watching. No, but, no, I understand what you're saying, but I don't. The KHL. Go, go let him go. Court, let him go. Let him go. In, like, 2P, you know, like, I'd just, like, the shittiest pixelated things. Don't call yourself a prospect guy. I've been watching these guys. I don't even know who's uh, who I'm watching. <laughs> like, this guy's literally playing World Juniors. We have like HD clips of him when he's like 12. Very different scenario. So don't don't get at me on that. I didn't get at you. I We're eight said. years into the rebuild in Detroit. You guys got Bedard in year like one of the fucking rebuild. We're in year five. Little, little, I, I swear you're to God. because you sucked at your ending. I swear to God, Stal- Stalin's five-year plan in Soviet Russia – that took like 15 years is smaller scale. The Iser plan in Detroit. Yep. All right. Well, we're not. We're not <laughs> here. Your plan is for 2050, bro. Like, <laughs> like we're gonna start calling him fucking. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Steve. No. Steve Stalin. Stal Iserman. I mean, for Christ's sake. It, but that's it, what yeah. happens when you don't get a generational talent in year two of your rebuild. I hear it's you. just what I happens you. when I hear you're the you. worst team for five straight years you. and your best pick's you. number four. Let him go, Jack. He's hot. Dude, our best pick was number yeah, four. Yeah, but Detroit was in Detroit was was two episodes ago. Oh my god. Oh, just that, saying, don't don't these are not apples to apples. No, but no, no no but arm arm. Chicago won the lottery fair and square. No, they they literally didn't. What do you mean? It was filmed. They had a lawyer in there. They had representatives. From I'm not teams. talking about how the balls are drawn. What I'm okay. saying is the Wings okay. had the well, worst you were record. Referring to that. The Wings had the worst record in like 40 years, and they got the fourth pick. It's the like, way it's the, the way the cards fall. You guys were yeah, I know, and I think it's bullshit. It I don't, I'm not saying it's rigged. I think it's bullshit that it you guys ended is. up with it is what it after is. all this. Yep, sorry, sorry, fair, not sorry. Fair and square. Anyways. Fair and square. Why we're watching this team, I actually love the top line he's playing with, Taylor Hall, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was a guy I hated for a while. When he was on the Lightning coming up, he was fantastic. It's yeah. hard to play against. And then yeah. he just like kind of died as an NHL player. You know, He was still uh, he had, solid. H- but injuries, like, injuries. He had, to, he had the same injury uh, that uh, Eichel had. Okay, but Eichel became Are good Are we sure again. about that? Yeah. I thought Eichel's thing was like the first time since Peyton Manning. Well, so it may not have been exactly the same, I but they both Eichel had the they both had specific like, experimental surgery that Peyton Manning had. He went and got the surgery that I think Eichel didn't want to get is what I think ended up happening. The Tyler Johnson didn't you know, want to we'll, get? We'll get back to our listeners on that, but let's Anyways, keep going. Anyways, I, I like that top line. I think it's good for Bedard. Um, like, I think Taylor Hall really, you know, get somebody who can shoot the puck there. Taylor Hall is not the first overall pick, not the MVP. He can I chuck one at you about Taylor Hall? He's a pass-first player. I know, but he's got a shot too. Like he's he, he's a player. I know, but when he came out of the draft, I thought he was going to be a fifty goal, like thirty apple guy. Yeah, he's the opposite. But he can still pop forty. No, not now. But like, right. there was a time he could continue MVP on. Continue season. on. He's never going to score more than thirty. This would be a, the next two years. He won't break eight. thirty-five goals in his career from here on out. I guarantee it. I, I don't disagree, but I think he's he's he could break eighty points. He could break eighty points. Slap, next slap. No, but he's an Apple guy. He's not a. He's not. He's yeah. not a Geno. Which guy. I think is fine with Bedard. I mean, the shot is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's almost. It's almost more yeah. of a compliment to Bedard because he's a distributor. 
But you have to. And he, he flies into the zone, and yeah. he creates a lot of space. And, like, like he kind of, like, wheels wide, and they break out of their own zone. And then, like, they'll get the puck over to Hall, and then all of a sudden Hall's flying down the wing. He'll make somebody look stupid. Next thing you know, he's, like, right about the hash mark, and he's using his eyes and skills and feeding. I think that's where Bedard gets his 40 this year. I think yeah. Bedard scores 40. Yeah, I could I'm totally on that see train that. With you. I'm on that train. And with I think with a roster with five to ten actual NHL players, it's good that some of the legit ones are playing with Bedard at least projected. Mm-hmm. They should do everything they can to keep Athens to see you off the ice when Bedard's on. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling you, they're, they're, fuck, they're fucking up if it's not Hall. Bedard, Athanasiu, and the three of them on the same line, three of them sitting all three across on the private plane, three of them dining together. We want the girlfriends and wives together. We want the families together. We want the gender reveals together. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Those three players teach Bedard the way of success in the NHL through the eyes of Taylor Hall and Athanasiu. Well, Athanasiu. What could go wrong? That's enough. Well, he was brought back on a two-year deal for a specific reason to groom Bedard. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. No, okay. I'm shutting that down. Okay. I'm shutting okay. it down. I'm shutting it down right now. X factors for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's shut down. X. I'll go first on X factors. Connor Bedard. I hate What's you. The X that's such a stupid. That, that, Here, now you're getting this shit for your <laughs> fucking. You your, your worst pick of the night. You I know. Just pick Cooley, I know. I know. Pick. I know. I know. I know. Because I'm like I'm done talking to the Blackhawks, but I want to get my two cents on Bedard out, and you're about to shut me down. Here's my thing on Bedard. Okay. And Jack, just settle down. This is all a compliment. So just like calm yourself and make sure sh- make sure both feet are touching and you're sitting down for this. He's going to be the real deal. He's got the mentality. He works out. He does this. He's a psycho. All he cares about is hockey. He's got the talent. He's got the skill. He's a little bit smaller, but I, it doesn't matter in today's league. He is going to be the real deal. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm saying it right now. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to play for 15-plus years. He's going to have more points than he does games played. And I'm, I'm, I'm nearly certain in those facts. And I say all of this by saying, as a rookie, he's the X Factor because you know, maybe he'll just shoot off for 90 points and go fucking bonkers. Yeah. Or, like, worst case, he's a, you know, I think, 32-goal, 25-assist in the neighborhood of 60-point guy. But... I, you know, I, I could see him having, you know, sniffing 100 points as a rookie. I hear you. I agree with it. Um, Alex, I'm uh, going to take Kevin Chorzynski, uh because this is a huge— Can you say his name right? Korczynski. 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 <laughs> it's been a long night. But Korczynski, a uh, big deal for him for this year is, you know, I think they're ready for him to make the league. Uh, the fact is, like I said it in, in my point with him, he is not the type of player that you could throw into the AHL. Uh, so it's it is NHL or juniors for him, and I'd love to see that year if he can stay healthy, be productive. You know, yes, you are going to understand and, and see the the rookie mistakes that will be there, but if you can keep him positive, keep him playing with the right guys. Connor Murphy's not you know the worst partner in the world to be there. You know, he is one of the few NHL players on that team, like talent players. So uh, Korchinski is my X factor. Is Connor Murphy a sixth defenseman on the Stanley Cup team? Fifth, my opinion. I'm not going to fight fifth. He's not a second-pairing defenseman, honestly. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Okay. What do you got, Arm? X-Factor. I go Bedard. What a gutless pick. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go kind of a two-for-one here. I'm going to go Kershev and Radish. Can one of them establish themselves as, like, a top-six forward? Really? So – can I talk into that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, Kurashev went to arbitration this year. You know, he's been a guy that 
I think he was like a sixth or fifth or sixth round draft pick. Radish, a guy that uh, Tampa had a lot invested into him. He came in was an instant in, uh, factor in terms of a, of a shitty Chicago team. I am actually pretty high on, on Taylor Radish. I think he's got an ability to score the puck. He's got more size than Kershev and uh, a little bit more grit to his game. So I, I like Radish in terms of that. those two. Radish is a real termite in Tampa. No, I, I and I've, I've been to a couple Hawks teams in the, like the last year or two, and I've seen them play, you know. But, like, it seems like they're both – kind of a step or two off from being that top six forward of the field. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's, you're, they're not there yet. So, and I think if one of them becomes into, like, is in the fold of that next wave. I think they're. If not both, you know. So, like, so I, I totally punted on X-Factors because I don't think there's any X-Factors. The Hawks, I think they're going to suck dick no matter what. Um, so I was. So, 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 <laughs> sounds like a person. But this is. in the eye. It sounds like a person. No, but shot. this is an X-Factor. No, it's not a personal shot. It's a fact. I hear you. They're going to be the worst team in the division no matter what. I. You'll hear my prediction. So that's why I said Bedard's the X Factor because there is no X Factor. But I like Arms picks. Well, thank you. <laughs> but they're not for this year. They are future X Factors. I think there's more more invested in Radish than there is Kurdishev, is what I'll say to your point. Um Boys, ladies and gentlemen, that is the central division. It is time to get into our predictions on this long night. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go because I'm ready. Stars 1, Avs 2, Wild 3, Preds 4, Yotes 5, Blues 6, Jets 7, Hawks 8. Alex, you ready? Yeah, I don't mind those too much. I'm going to go I'm I'm going to go same top 3 as last year. I think to me it's pretty steady. I, I, I don't mind the Stars being first. I, I kind of like that pick, but I'm going to go I've got them on our end, Ross. I'm going Avs, Stars, Wild. So same top 3 as last year. Then I'm going to go Yotes breaking into number four. Yotes having a big year. I think fourth place in this division is, is a good move for them in the playoff hunt, let's say. Then I'm going to go Jets, carried by Hellebuck for as long as I have them. Then Preds, UC Soros. Again, when we're talking differentiators, I think the two elite goalies got to at least count for something. I'm going Blues to disappoint again this year, and then Hawks. Finish her out. <sighs> Battling here for our termites. Uh, Colorado is going to win the division. Uh, Dallas two, um, Minnesota three, St. Louis four, Nashville five, Arizona six, Winnipeg seven, Chicago eight. I like it. That like might it. be the exact order they finished last year, which is pretty gutless. But no, Yotes were. What do you have the Yotes? I had the Yotes third to last. Yep, no, that's your change right there. Yotes ahead of Winnipeg. Ahead Winnipeg of and St. Louis. Yeah, you, you changed a few things. Um, <laughs> Any final thoughts on the Central Division before we close her out? No. Yeah, my final thought, this was like kind of a save it for the pod thought I had before this because I was looking at this lineup. I think the Wings are a top three team in this division, and it pisses me <laughs> off that we're, in the, <laughs> we're not in this division, man. It's such, Take it up with Batman. Like, I Eastern, think there's like six teams. Eastern time zone. What a take. I love that take from Armdog. <laughs> like it's such bullshit. Great we don't get to compete with this, dude. <laughs> Folks, fuck? we appreciate you guys tuning in. We know it's been a, another long one. Folks. But, uh, if you want to go give the boys a follow, go follow Ross at, at Rusty Pedroia on Twitter. Go follow Alex at Armdog underscore SS. Give me a follow at Siffyman. Go follow All Star 6 Media content at Star 6 Media. We've got the football rolling. We've got it all rolling, and it's an exciting time to be a sports fan as all the major sports are coming back alive. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic rest of your night, and we'll catch you next Wednesday for the final division, the Pacific.